Good evening and a welcome to Olosa Fumar Takes. This is our 276 take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplissy, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. 2023 is now in the books. 2024 is here. The top 10 cigars of Los Fumar Takes is underway. This is one of my favorite shows to do all year long. So without further ado, I'm going to get to introductions of my guest of honor. But before we do, before we get to introductions, we have to thank the people that make this show possible. And without these people, the top 10 cigars of Los Fumar Takes would not be in existence. So it's a special thanks to our sponsors tonight, United Cigar Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, Postania Cigar, Asylum Cigars, and of course, Alec Bradley. And our show, as always, is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has done it once again in an unparalleled mashup of culinary artistry and cigar craftsmanship. Drew Estate proudly introduces the Liga Pravatica Unicorn Porchetta. Yes, it's back, baby. Drawing inspiration from the traditional Italian roasted pork dish, known for its rich layers and savory seasonings. This cigar is meticulously crafted to evoke a similar complexity in its flavor profile. Liga Pravada Porchetta is exclusively available at the distinguished Casa de Monte Cristo brick and mortar locations. Jonathan Drew, founder and president of Drew Estate, expressing his excitement about the new global offices of Drew Estate, proclaims Porchetta as a meaty, in your face, turbulent journey of flavor and aroma. It's hard hitting, yet smooth and meat loving, calculated, and meat loving calculation at the very same time, kind of like Larry Holmes' jab on, on the dome. It's not meant to knock <laughs> you out, but damn, it was like, what a thing to see about Holmes in his heyday. He could literally knock you out with a couple of jabs. Nobody should get knocked out with a jab, really. But this porchetta is like a miniature Larry Holmes. My dad was a huge Larry Holmes, uh, Larry Holmes fan, for the record. Jonathan Drew, always a man of words uh, and metaphors, similes, and so much so much language. <laughs> the Liga Provatica Unico Porchetta is now available at Casa de Monte Cristo locations all over this fine country. Get yourself to Casa de Monte Cristo today and sample one of the best from Drew Estate. Yes, sir. The Liga Provada Unicor Porchetta from Drew Estate. And welcome, everybody. This is our 276 take. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome tonight's special guest back for his second top 10 of Ellis Fumar takes. Yes, it is none other than sponsored by United Cigar, Smoke One Today, and not, and Start Living United, Mr. George Brightman. George, how are we doing tonight? Fantastic, man. Um, thank you. I feel like uh, uh, I talked so long last year than took an entire 12 months for your, your audience to recover. <laughs> uh I think we had a fantastic show. You know, we, we got so much amazing feedback for last year's show. I was planning on inviting you to back regardless of the feedback, to be honest. But I mean, we got such amazing feedback from last year's show on that. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was actually quite humbling in a lot of ways just to hear about how like this was, this was kind of unprecedented. I mean, words that got kind of thrown out were like unprecedented, never been done before that kind of thing. And it was just, it was a really, uh, a really fantastic exercise and also just a walk down memory lane and history of of lists when you when you when you when you kind of think about it. So it was really, yeah. uh, it was really fantastic, George. And I'm, I'm so I'm so glad you uh, you agreed to do this again. Really means the world to me. Um, and so well, I'm um, flattered you asked. I'm flattered you asked, and I'm honored to be back. And I'm uh, raring to go. I was actually sitting here waiting. Uh, and, and do, do I have your permission to go ahead and fire up my stogie? Yes, please, please do, please, absolutely, yeah. So uh, I got I got number six in my hand. Go, go, go ahead. Right, right. So, 
So let's kind of go through this a little bit, uh, everyone. So guys, welcome again. This is my top 10. This is the Elos Fumar Takes Top 10 Cigars of 2023. And what we're we're doing is a simple, what we did with last year is basically the same thing we're doing this year. So I sent George, and uh, George has quite a history of this. We'll go into a little bit of background here in just a few moments. But I sent George my top 10 cigars of 2023 uh completely blind so removed of all labeling um although he probably can guess a couple of manufacturers just by the way the cigars are stylized maybe maybe not but um they're they're all blind tasted for him and um we're going to get into this in just a second uh because george was wondering about the numbers that i provided for him um but uh before we do do you want to go through the criteria for my top 10 so we do this every year guys and it's really important for everyone to understand how my top 10 is constructed. Okay. So it's very simple. There's seven pieces of criteria. All right. So um, it's Vitola based. Okay. So meaning the cigar is specific to a Vitola. So we're not talking about a specific blend. We're not talking about a particular line. The cigar selected in each spot is actually Vitola based. And that's going to be very important when we get to one of these cigars here, uh, you know, later on in the show. Uh, I had number two, I had to have smoked the cigar personally for the very first time in the last year and a half. Okay. So 18 months is a cutoff and I've had to have smoked it for the last 18, uh, for the very first time in the last 18 months. So give you an example. This, this means a lot of cigars are, have been on the market recently. Uh, some are much, some are much newer than others. Some could be very old. Like, so say for example, I'll just throw a, you know, a, something out there if i had never smoked a drew estate liga provada number nine which i would have had to have been living under a rock at this point but let's just say that was the case yeah. um i had never smoked it until you know for the first time in the last 18 months it could technically be eligible for my list okay so there that's why in years past i had a rocky patel two years ago who had been on the market for four years had just never smoked it for one reason or another smoked it for the first time loved it and it it made it into my top 10 um you know, um, so there's there's always there's always room for that. Um, um, the the Avo um, um, the Avo domain popped up on my list a couple of years ago. Um, believe it or not, I'd never smoked that cigar, found it, smoked it, and then of course uh, Davidoff promptly took it off the market, which was very disappointing to me. But that's that's neither here nor there. So that's the second point of criteria. <laughs> okay, the third piece of criteria is it must not suck. It's that simple. The cigar must be really good. I must actually enjoy the cigar. So, uh, number four, no limited edition cigars are allowed. So that means TAAs, shop exclusives, true limited editions uh, are not eligible for my list. And that's going to come up here in the first segment when we talk about my honorable mentions mm-hmm. here in a moment. So, uh, number five, a previous number one cigar winner, blend specific, cannot be the number one cigar uh, or appear in the top 10 again. So, so, for example, my very first cigar uh, in 2017 that was Cigar of the Year is the Espinosa Habana Number no. 4. Uh, I think a couple years back, they released a box press tour, which I absolutely love, and it would absolutely appeared on my list, candidly, but it can't because it's the same blend. Okay. So, uh, there's that. And that only applies to the number ones. So, if you're number 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, another, another Vitola gets released. That has the potential to get into the top 10 or even a number one spot following years. 
number six, a company cannot have more than one cigar in my top 10. So I wanted to do, uh, this was very, uh, this is a very diligent approach on my part. Um, I do have uh, obviously a very particular palette. I, I talk about, uh, I've had Hector Alfonso on the show a number of times of Espinosa cigars. He rarely makes a cigar that misses my palate. I really enjoy the stuff that he and Eric put together there. Um, it's obvious. They're the only company to have two number ones on my list. Um, so, um, but, you know, I want to have as much variation as possible in my top 10. So I've, I don't allow a company to have more than one, com- one more than one cigar on my list uh in the top 10 in one year so and number seven and this is the big one guys this is what i've always kind of I, I put this together this I, there's been one or two added since the very first regardless but this was the big thing when i got first got started is i wanted to approach top 10 cigars a little differently a lot of people list they like they were like hey that was the one i really liked um and that's my number one cigar okay cool and that's there's no nothing wrong with that but I really wanted it to base on something else. And George, you called this out last year when I talked about this one. And this is the big one. That's the frequency of smoke. So basically I've had to have the means and the opportunity and actually did in fact smoke the cigars frequently. It's the biggest weight in my top 10. It's the biggest weight counter in my top 10. It has, yes, it has honestly nothing to do with which cigar I enjoyed most. Uh, it's just how many I've actually smoked. So actually reasonably, mm-hmm reason would assume like if i kept smoking the cigar i actually enjoyed it so obviously they're not unrelated um at all but the idea is i wanted something i wanted to actually find cigars that i can kept going back to over the course of the year kept seeing as as they aged if they stayed consistent yeah. throughout the course of the year and george you called this out particularly last year you you really liked this approach was it what was it what was it about it that you really liked about my seventh and final rule well first of all it's personal. In other words, it's it's something that actually distinguishes you from a lot of other, um, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say clickbaity, but I said clickbaity uh, lists that, <laughs> that are, uh, you know, that are grabbing at, at things that they know are trophy smokes. And, and that, uh, by the way, the vast majority of average uh, consumers and, and conceivably a pretty distinct subset of listeners or viewers uh, are not going to be able to get their hands off. So they're never going to experience them. I think that's irrelevant. But more importantly, what I like is the idea that you said, I'm smoking these and I'm continuing. So it isn't just I keep going back and buying them, but you smoke them and you have put them down and you've watched how they grow. You've watched what happens to them. That's huge. Because we all know that there are dramatic differences that, that occur uh, in, in a very short period of time. In other words, six months can be can be the difference between a cigar wowing you or just going, okay, it's a nice cigar. I'll try it again sometime, that kind of thing. So I, I, I particularly like that. Now, while we're on the topic, though, uh, of, the, of the criteria, which I love, I, I'm, I'm a fan top to bottom, but I have a question for you uh, uh, that, that's more or less a procedural question. Sure. So when you're, you know, as you go through the year and you're experiencing these things and you go, oh, whoa, this is really good. Or, you know, I find myself returning to it. So I know I must like it. And I got to put it over here in this category of cigars that are potentially in my top 10 list. 
When you have a company that has multiple entries in that category, and we both know that there are uh, several companies that could probably qualify for that, right? And, and regardless of whether or not, you know, some of them might cross the line about, oh, it's a limited edition or, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but it, it, what's the technique that you use to say, okay, I'm only going to include this cigar from XYZ company. I'm only right. going to allow this from Romacraft and this from Tat or this from Dunbarton. You know, how, what's, the, what's the way in your mind that you fare? And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with saying, well, I like this one better. Uh, right. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking if you have a, a, a discipline in that in terms of going, OK, we can't crowd it because, it, look, between us, we could make lists that are like, OK, there's three companies in it every year. Right. And, and, and it's not a top 10. It's a top 25. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So actually, this this subject came up a couple of years ago um, when I was explaining something. So um a year uh there was a couple of years back i had the h upman uh actually i have it right here i just have a, a tubo here in front of me the aj uh, uh the h upman nicaragua by aj fernandez uh made my top 10 list um yeah also in the running that year was the newly released henry clay warhawk both from altatus mm -hmm. usa and uh both, 2021 uh, yes yeah 2021 so like so both of them were in the running to make my top 10 so um when I, I honestly just put them both up against the criteria. So how many more did I smoke? And I smoked H more H Upman than I did Warhawks. I still like them both. I still I smoked a, I smoked both of those cigars all the time. I still smoked the Warhawk quite a bit. Um, but when it came down to to your point, George, you know, I could only put one of those cigars in my top ten. And yeah. so it became not necessarily which cigar would do better against the competition. It just became against going up against the criteria. And which one did I smoke more? I happened to smoke more of the H Upman. And so that the weight of that, that cigar, yeah, the weight of that cigar had, had I not had the rule in place, I can tell you for a fact, the Warhawk would have been in my top 10 as well. Cause I really enjoyed mm -hmm. that cigar. So. Well, that's good. Cause it's so, you see, like I said, I think a lot of lists are constructed artificially and they don't have um, such close connection to the actual smoking habits of the judge or the judging panel, right? And, and, and that's, people don't understand that. Uh, uh, you know, when you're, when you're a big, when you're a major media property, like, you know, never mind that company, but, uh, uh, you know, it has to be revisited multiple times in a relatively short period of time so they're pretty confident of their picks but they're they're drawing from a pool that's already been established by their year's pattern of ratings this conceivably you could have cigars that are in your top 10 that you haven't necessarily featured as a tasting or a subject or something like that in in your uh, in your shows mm -hmm. in take 225 for instance right in other words there's there's the, the top 10 can incorporate cigars that you happen to engage with in that time frame, but that aren't necessarily, um, you know, El Oso uh, stories. Yeah, no, Does absolutely. No, a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of times I haven't even had the opportunity to interview uh, the people. So, um mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, I mean, for instance, two years ago, um, the dissident rave was my number one cigar of the year. Now that was an interesting story because at the time that company had actually just sold from the owner that it had to a new owner. And so mm-hmm. I hadn't actually even had the opportunity to speak to those owner to, to the new owners. I eventually interviewed them later on that year, um, which was nice and a great opportunity. Sin and Josh Coburn are fantastic people, but I hadn't even, I didn't even, you know, have the opportunity to speak with them. So that was an interesting, that was an interesting little left turn that happened right before my top yeah. 10. Yeah. Um, right. But um, I think that that's, and there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, I, I've had the, uh, I guess, you know, the people are always not going to like your opinions and that's fine. Uh, I'm prepared for that. And my, uh, my partner on Cigar Coop Primetime Special Edition Coop is always telling me that like the more complaints you mean get, that means you're doing something right. So uh, last year's list probably. If people, won't. if people are not disagreeing with you, you're not doing your job. Right. right. Exactly. That's what I feel. By like. the way, your your intro reads: uh, "You're catching up to Coop. You're ah. you're uh, you're bowling out on the uh, on the way the show starts now. Uh, if I was him, I'd be looking in the rearview mirror, going, "Wait a minute, you know, he might have to go in the closet and practice for a while to ramp up his speed <laughs> to, just to try and put a little distance." Because you're laying it down, man. You got it. I mean, you only take a breath to pause for. For some, you know, insert uh, like a side comment you're making, uh, uh, but the reads are spot on, man. I love it. That uh, the the Larry Holmes metaphor that uh, uh, that Jonathan Drew had in his quote, man. Yeah. I read that for the first time uh, live. I hadn't done the whole read. I just read like the intro part mm-hmm. of it, and then I I usually mm-hmm. just leave leave the quote like open faced and it was the first time I read it. And I was like, oh, there's only one person in the world that could make this comparison. And it's, and it's Jonathan Drew and it's awesome. I freaking love it. Right. And there's only one person that people would listen to make that. Comparison. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. My dad was a big Larry Holmes fan, by the way, just the, the little aside on there with the quote is just fantastic. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so George, let's go ahead and get started here. We're going to do a couple of things. Uh, we're going to talk about our honorable mentions here. So let's get into the major point, guys. Let's get into the major. The, the whole point we're here tonight is our list. And yeah. that's major point is always brought to you by the people. Speaking of ads, yes, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. But behind maybe. the behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back from the original Protocol Blue to the latest release of the Laman series. Fee because the Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work have been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol, Cigars. So, where we are with this top 10, uh, Georgian, but I started a tradition a while back um, and it's much to the chagrin of, again, I'm going to bring my partner into the conversation, Will Cooper. He doesn't believe in it. You shouldn't have multiple lists. He thinks he thinks it muddies the water. He thinks it gives out participation trophies. So it was a challenge to me, and I kind of really went a different way and a different approach with my honorable mentions. First of all, there's only five cigars on this list, and they all share one thing, in fact, uh, one thing in common. Well, two things in common. One, I really like the cigars, and two... Um, they're all limited edition cigars. So they're ineligible. They're therefore they're ineligible for my list. So, right. so, um, but they meet all the other criteria. They're right. cigars that you, they don't suck. You smoke them a lot. And, uh, you know, in other words, that that's, that's positive. I like that. I, well, I, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe honorable mention 
is the, I mean, it, it, look, the phrase honorable mention is great, but in a way, it's like you want to hang another tag on it saying, uh, uh, you know, these are disqualified entries for technical reasons. Right. Exactly. right? You know, you, you sit there and say, hey, uh, you know, this is the blue rib ribbon uh, prize winner at the fair, if not for the fact that it's uh, not a sheep, it's a ram. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So that's that's kind of what I wanted with today. So like, uh, and again, for anyone out there listening, if I mentioned your your cigar in my honorable mentions, you are still in fact eligible for my top ten. So if you have a cigar and mentioned in honorable mentions, it does not automatically disqualify you from the top ten because again, these are just honorable mentions apart from it. So, um, but the first cigar I wanted to mention tonight was, uh, and this again, going to keep bringing Coop up, I guess, again tonight. He's a big fan of the sixty gauge. So this was a little 60 gauge that I absolutely love this last year. And it was a, uh, the 601 La Bamba Warhead, the number eight. Um, so this is a series that Espinosa Cigars has done uh, every year. And uh, fantastic, fantastic uh, blend, just different Vitolas each year, which is a really cool project that they put together. And, um, and I, I've, I love it. I love, I absolutely love the Warhead series. I've loved it. And this, this was no different. And I really enjoyed the 60 gauge from, from, for the number eight is fantastic. So um, that was the, uh, that was the first honorable mention tonight. The, the next one was uh, uh, one of my absolute favorite people in the industry. And, and I think he did a really great job because it was such an important part of his career at his previous company. And for him to be able to carry the legacy forward was really interesting uh, in a really unique way and, and made a fantastic cigar. And that was the Ferry Otego timeless limited 10 years uh, cigar that he released. Uh fantastic blend uh in fact made coops top mm-hmm. 30 uh and so did the the warhead for that matter both cigars are in his top 30 uh so i must be doing something right there <laughs> must be smoking good cigars um have you had either one of these george by chance not the la Bamba. uh and and it's something that i will um i'll look to correct although i must tell you I'm not a 60 ring gauge guy. You know, you and I have yeah. been over this ground before, so I don't want to yeah. bore everybody else. But uh, it takes a lot for me to pick up and uh, and and uh, go through a 60 ring gauge cigar. It's got there's got to have something to do. The pedigree has to intrigue me in a way, I guess is what I'm saying. And I for for Eric and the, and the guys, I would I would definitely uh, do a La Bamba. Yeah. But the Ferio, uh, I I love that cigar. I had uh, Michael. Uh, you know, we we did a chat at. Uh, at Capital Cigar in uh, uh, late September, and it was a blast. I mean, people were really, you know, Michael is, he's so, he's so talented, but he's also just so, he's so real, and, uh, and he's, he's uh, spontaneous in the, in the best way, uh, and, and, and he's creative, uh, but he's not a, um, you know, he's not a toss-it-off guy. He's extremely thoughtful. But th- and that, to me, the 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 timeless ten is everything that affirms why the entire Nat portfolio in his hands is, um, you know, assured of a, of a of a great future. In other words, those blends, those brands are only going to improve under Michael's stewardship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, it, unless it was Joel Sherman himself, the only person that really could have 
taking those brands to the next to the next era, the next chapter, if you will, you know, was Michael. And it was, you know, perfect opportunity for him and Brendan to partner together uh, to create Ferry Otego and, um, and continue the legacy of, of what the Sherman family yeah. built over the years. So that's, it's pretty good. Um, so it was a heroic effort uh, and brave to not let uh, all of that work. Yeah. Die. So Absolutely. kudos to him. It was, it was terrific. Uh, so this next limited uh, limited edition or honorable mention for my top 10 this year um, was a cigar that kind of honestly flew under the radar for some people. Um, I think it was, uh, and it was really, it was really something different from this company. So uh, the black label La Madonna Negra was a fantastic cigar, came in a couple of different Vitolas. Um, I'm, um, and I was really, really pleased with the blend overall. It was just a fantastic smoking experience. Really love what James does. Uh, you know, he's he he blended the the rave, uh, the dissident rave that made my number was my number one cigar of the year mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Um, he made um, my top three last year, um, and you know it. You know, he continues to impress my palate quite a bit as well. Um, and he he with the La Madonna Negra, this was a very this was a very different black label. George, I don't know if you smoked a lot of Black Label, um, uh, other uh, or Black Works in the in the time. So um, that I've yeah, Black Works, I I have, um, but not extensively. Uh, and but but I, I will tell you this flat out, I've been impressed with the things that they did. Now, I think there's some, um, I don't want to say hits and misses because I don't think they they did anything wrong. But there have been certain cigars that just wowed me. I was like, where are these guys coming from? I loved it. It was spectacular. So, I, you know, I, I applaud you uh, including them in this. And I only uh, hope to see them, um, you know, grow their presence and their recognition. Sometimes I think uh, that stage is a question of resources. Yeah, I think the the, I mean... I mean, so again, la- in last year's list, I mean, um, I said top three. Um, the, the, uh, I mean, he made he made my uh, my honorable mentions last year with the black black work mm-hmm. studios intergalactic, the Corona Larga that was in it. So that's two years in a row now that that James has blended a cigar that's uh, been mentioned in my top um, my honorable mentions. Uh, he did not make the list last year. I apologize. He did not make the list last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, the top, was... the top, the top ten, but he did make the honorable mentions, and he knit, blended the number one the previous year. So, um, some good stuff. A most pretty strong company. Yeah. No. Overall, yeah. And James, like I said, James has always impressed me, uh, and 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 put out some really and and the the blends over the years have continued to always be very consistent and stuff that I always go back mm-hmm. to. Uh, so I was really sad that this actually did not. This was actually this is a true limited. He says it's a one and done. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that, that makes me sad, but I have plenty that I was able to secure. So it's good. So I'm good for a while. Uh, and then I'll cry when the last one goes away. But, uh, that was the other one. Uh, here's a cigar that is, is garnered a lot of critical acclaim, at least that, that the company itself, the cigars that are being produced. And this was another anniversary cigar, uh, had the privilege of, of sitting down with the blender behind it, uh, Nelson Alfonso. Uh, who mm-hmm. uh, blended the Atabay 10th anniversary. So these were spe- spe- mm-hmm. specifically selected tobaccos. 
And he said the only reason like he would never do it again is it was because it was painstaking and the fact that they selected specific tobaccos, aged them for 10 years to sell to celebrate and commemorate the 10th anniversary and had the opportunity to smoke that cigar. I've only had one, like I said, uh, but it was phenomenal. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. Was that at PCA? Was that yeah, at PCA? I, yeah. That you spoke I secured, with him? yeah, I secured two. Yeah, I spoke with him at PCA. Got one at PCA, and then I was able to procure another one. So actually, I've smoked two. I just looked at my looked at my notes here. So I smoked two. They were phenomenal. Um, and uh, they're they're my uh, my fourth selection on my honorable mentions list. Uh, did uh, we're going to talk a little bit about PCA here in a little bit? But did you have an opportunity to speak yeah. with him? Uh, no, uh, I wanted to, but uh, our schedules didn't meet. I was, you know, my my time there was a little bit abbreviated. I'm looking forward to having a, a, a fuller a fuller run. Uh, I had a lot of things on my plate too. Uh, well, it, well, I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead. We'll talk about PCA uh, later. But I will tell you this: I I think the guy has uh, Nelson has extraordinary style. He's got a, a great um, sense of what he wants to do. And uh, uh, the cigars carry that forward. They're really, to, to my way of thinking, the, the, the things that carry that, um, in other words, the, the Atabays, the, the, the now Alfonso's, the Byron's, these cigars are really, really elegant. And I just like the fact that they're aiming at, a, unabashedly aiming at a part of the market that a lot of other people are afraid to tread it. Right. And he does it successfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't no, know. That, that, look, there's a lot of other guys that pretend to belong in that region. Right. A thousand percent. And they yeah. don't. Yes. It's so anyway, I, like I said, I don't want to steal your thunder. Let's not steer away from the honorable mentions, but uh, Alfonso is, is it deserves to be on that list. And that cigar um I think rightfully earns all the buzz that it got. I also lament the fact that not that many people will get the smoke. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those disappointing things and stuff. And it's, again, it's not for the fan of hearts. It's very, they're very, they're, they're in that ultimate, that ultra premium category. And for good reason, you know, that, that, you know, they have a, they have a curing process and an aging process. that's uh, very unique to the industry. Um, I, I, I don't debate at all where they are. I think yeah. they're 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 they don't I think they're actually past the stage where they need to justify what they're doing or what their philosophy is. The cigars tell the story. And if you speak to people that are really significantly committed and invo involved, they understand. Mm -hmm. Now that it's maybe not for everybody's taste, right? There there are plenty of times when you experience a cigar like that and you go okay i don't get it or whatever you know but that's because it wasn't for you mm -hmm. but there uh, bar none the the projects that they have brought out under that selected wow they are they're 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 a joy if you get your hands on them just make sure that you know you're not driving in your convertible uh at 80 miles an hour yeah. one because really want to be able to dedicate yourself to everything that it offers you aroma uh burn the flavors uh, uh, everything it's it's a that's a cigar to sit and give yourself over to and let it reward you the time you spend yeah absolutely i i've i've, I've enjoyed it from the 
the very first one I ever had and everyone that I've ever had since Atabay are, yeah. are fantastic cigars. The Byron's that selected tobacco makes are also some of my favorite as well. Um, but it, there, some of the blends are a little bit more hit and miss with me personally, but I, I, there, I, I freaking love some of the Byron's that come out there. Fantastic smokes too. And then the new Alfonso as well. I've only had a, cute, a couple of those. Again, we're talking about higher price points. Um, for me that, you know, they're not box. They're not box appropriate spending just because you know, um, you know, money. I haven't discovered the money growing on trees, you know, yet. So as soon as that happens, you mean you don't have an oil well in your backyard? I know I'm Texan. I should have an oil well in my backyard, but I don't. You know, exactly. You should have. Misnomer. Isn't there a pump going all the time? <laughs> There's, that's a little bit of a misnomer, but uh, you know, uh, one of the, one of these days, uh, one of these days, I'll strike oil and it'll it'll work out for there me. But. Um, but last but not least, before we get off the honorable mention bandwagon, we get into the first three cigars in my top 10. Uh, I have to mention the cigar of note, and I was actually talking to a few people and I've mentioned this cigar in a couple of shows that I've been on in the past few weeks and just how simply how incredible it was. And I actually have one here for you, George. And I was meant to, I meant to send one to you. I'm going to get one to you. I have a couple other cigars I'm going to send you, but I'm going to get one of these cigars to you. I only have four left. Um, but you'll, oh, you'll wow. be getting one. Um, and this cigar was really surprising to me. And and I'll be frank, and I've, I've been frank about it. The brand has never yeah. been uh, been a top dog for me. I've smoked them over the years. It was one of the very first cigars I ever smoked. It's a brand that's been around forever. Um, but overall, I've kind of I've never been a, a huge fan of it. it. This just haven't hit my palate. Um, but interestingly enough, I think there's a really nice parallel here because the original cigars made for this line had tobacco that was made in Jamaica, which I know your very first cigar was a Royal Jamaican. So, yeah, there's a nice yeah, little sure. parallel there, too. So, of course, the company I'm talking about is Macanudo. Uh, the brand I'm talking about is Macanudo. And um, I absolutely um, was blown away by the cigar. And, of course, it's the the Macanudo uh, 2022 Flint, no- Flint Knoll Cabernet uh, selection. And this is, uh, again, this is the 2022 edition the barrel aged Cabernet Sauvignon and they're aged in French Oak. Um, and, um, this cigar is incredible. Uh, absolutely blew me away. I smoked it for the very first time on this show. Uh, when I had Steve Abbott, um, of, um, you know, Scandinavian tobacco on my show. Scandinavian tobacco. Yeah. And I was floored. (laughs) That I mean, is an understatement because I could not believe Was that that it. But that was back in that was actually in 2022, not 2023. Correct. That it was, was the release. It was the release year. Yeah, that was the release year. Correct. So still meet uh, still meets your criteria. Otherwise, yeah. but it was it was a 2022 drop. That's what I correct. Thought. Correct. And then they have not a 20, 2023. Right. So they actually do have a 2023 edition, which I have yet to smoke. But I've had a couple. I've known a couple people that have, and they said it's pretty much on par with the 22, which is great. Flint Knoll. Uh, this is a great partnership. It's a fantastic cigar. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't really want to put this out there, but I'm going to because this is how impressed I was with it. Because I think a lot of my audience, um, you know, are, you know, are probably more into the boutique, boutique arenas or the non-big four a little bit. You and can I might say it, they're cigar snobs. They're because yeah, they're cigar snobs, and you know, and so the so um, they probably don't smoke as much STGA Alta as Davidoff. Um, Jura State, for examples, um, probably Jura State more than the other three, but um, the but this cigar 
uh, was just incredible, George. I can't wait to send it to you. I'd love for you to smoke it. I think it's also in your wheelhouse mm-hmm. too, what you kind of enjoy. But I was mm-hmm. really, really, really blown away. Have you had it? Did you have a chance to smoke it? Or no, I, I tried, uh, but but I was not. Listen, I'm I'm not a um, I'm not a, a high on the STG list because I I haven't been uh, associated with it, and you know since the Davidoff days. Uh, or, or or the M. Shankin days. In other words, post acquisition, I'm not I'm not involved with anybody that's a mover and shaker in the uh, in the distribution of these. So they're not sending me any prizes uh, or or, uh, or 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 gifts. Uh, I I I've looked for it because I heard about it and I was like, exactly the reason that you identified. I said I want to smoke a Macanudo that purports to have Jamaican tobacco in it. And I only say it that way because at the time that I heard it, I said, that, that can't be, it, it, it's not possible. And somebody said, oh yes, absolutely. So I said, I, then I gotta get my hands on one because I want that case. I remember those cigars, mad affection. So if they have come even close to the personality that they had when they were Jamaican, my God, they're, they're, uh, that's an extraordinary story. So, so please do, uh, when, uh, uh, we'll, we'll follow up on that, you and I, because yeah. I, I, I love that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, I'll get, I'll totally get yeah, you. Gentlemen, you have my attention. Yeah, I'll totally get you one of these. Um, and this was, like I said, if this had, if, if the criteria of frequency had not been in the case and if the criteria of, mm-hmm of limited edition and not been in place. Um, like I said, I'll just go ahead and say this. This would have been a top three cigar for me this year. Arguably top cool. two. Like it it was that fucking good. Uh and 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 it's something that that the folks at STG should hang their hat on. It was a, an amazing, amazing cigar. Yeah. Uh Aaron from Flint Knoll actually is a is a fan of the show and he tunes in regularly. So I know that uh, I know that he knows how how much I really really care about that uh, that cigar particularly. And so it's 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 phenomenal. Um, uh, so go out, get you some. Um, so, uh, but that concludes the uh, the 2023 honorable mentions. We have the uh, Macanudo Flint Knoll Churchill, uh, the Black Label Trading Company La Madonna Negra, um, the Adape 10th Anniversary, the 601 La Bamba Warhead Number Eight, and the Ferry Otego Timeless Limited 10 Years are this year's uh, honorable mentions. Uh, so. Uh, as we go into this year's top 10, I uh, wanted to just do a quick recap of last year's top 10 where George was on this panel with me, on the show with me. So the number one cigar of the year, of course, was the Espinosa Crema Box Press Toro. The number two our cigar, which George actually preferred. This was his, mm-hmm. out of my cigar, my 10 cigars, he liked this one the most. My number two cigar of the year was the Artista Cigars Buffalo 10 Connecticut, um, which uh, I love. Me over. Oh, and it was fantastic. And it's fantastic. It still smokes phenomenal today. I still smoke a ton of them. Um, number three cigar was the St. Louis Ray Carreñas Toro. Uh, number four, and this was the one, George, we're going to talk about this later about cigars that you just happened to know. This is the one that actually you did not agree with or thought that it was the least right. of, of the four, uh, least of the ten. This was the Howard G. Magic Stick Cameroon Toro. Uh, the number five cigar of the year was Cavalier Geneva, uh, the B2 Jalapa Viso Robusto Gordo. Number six was the Crux Bull and Barra Double Corona. 
Number seven was the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Brulee Blue. Number eight was the Rocky Patello Disciple Robusta, which you smoked on the show and absolutely loved. That was a really, yes. really great surprise for you. I know. And uh, number nine, the Arrival Robusto, uh, which you had some really favorable things to say about that because of its origin in the Dominican yeah. Republic and made by La Aurora and the folks, Guillermo Leon and the folks down there. And then... Uh, number- I- Yes, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll I'll, I'll wait. Go ahead. And then the final cigar that rounded out the top 10 last year was Luciano Cigars, formerly Ace Prime, the Sergeant. Um, The Sergeant. So those were those were my top 10 cigars last year. But uh, yeah, any parting comments from last year or any of these cigars that uh, that you wanted to make a comment on? Well, you know, it's been an interesting, by the way, let's just say something really clear. I hope you had a better year. I know I know 2022 had some challenges for you. Uh, and for me as well, I I uh, I said a fond adieu to 2023, but I loved it. It was a great year, and I thought, in many ways, it was a comeback year for cigar makers. I think a lot of guys were really on their game this year. There were some extraordinary things that happened, and uh, your job might have been made a little bit easier if you established your criteria the way you did. So a few things that were really remarkable would get separated out, right? But there are there's a, a plethora of choices, and and I just I, I believe that that it was an extraordinary year. Now that's not to take anything away from the top ten because one of the things that I wanted to ask you. First, I wanted to thank you because I wanted to tell you that in the ensuing time, I have uh, embraced Dumbarton wholeheartedly and gone uh, uh, on a on a deep dive uh, and enjoyed it very much. I found a few things that were not so much to my taste, but I've discovered some real gems and I've turned people onto it uh, and and just opened their eyes because I said, "You're walking right past this, and you're look you're overlooking it, and you're making a huge mistake." The El Artista continues to be my, I, I, I don't want to call it a dirty secret. It's the greatest thing. I, I, I'm, I'm so happy. Uh, I, I just, I love that. So I, I thank you for, uh, for turning me on to that. But you did, uh, uh, you know, we had that discussion about the, the Howard G and, and, and going forward, what would happen. I want to know if you revisited them and were confident in your thinking about it. I have on that particular on that particular blend. It's still one of my favorite cigars. Uh, it's still my favorite cigar that he makes, um, and I I'm still I'm still blown away with the uniqueness of it. And I promised you some, uh, and I need to I need to make good on that promise, George, because I'd like for you to try it again. Um, yeah, I I I definitely uh, am definitely confident in that that being in my top 10 from last year it it was still it was still a terrific cigar uh for me over the course of the years i smoked it too uh i have some that i've put away that i'm going to look at i'm going to revisit like the three-year mark i want to see what that kind of cigar tastes like with some more significant age and see what that's like so um um and so to to that point um we're going to uh Kind of get here into the top 10. Um, looks like George is having a little bit of technical difficulty, so I'll just do a quick reset here. So, again, welcome to our 276 take. And uh, we are 
Um, breaking down the Yellow Fumar takes top 10 cigars of 2023. So far, we've done the honorable mentions. Uh, so we had five honorable mentions that were all limited editions. So therefore ineligible for the top 10 list. Uh, I was capped off with the Macanudo uh, Flint and Old Churchill, uh, which was uh, one of my favorite cigars that I smoked all year long. Um, but sadly, because of frequency of smoke and its limited edition status, it was not eligible for my top 10. Um, so again, we're going to wait for George to come back here uh, in just a moment. As he kind of comes in, we're going to break down our top 10. So again, I'm just going to go ahead and go through the criteria as we went through um, just a few moments ago. And uh, we're going to break down this top 10. So again, the criteria is very simple. It's seven simple points. It's, it's It has to be Vitola-based, right? So it can't be a blend or a line. It has to be a specific cigar. So therefore, the Espinosa uh, Crema Box Press Toro was my number one cigar of the year last year. Not the Robusto, you know, not a Robito, none of that. The Espinosa Crema Box Press Toro was my number one cigar of the year. So that's Vitola-based. Two, I have to have smoked the cigar for the very first time in the last year and a half. So this is very poignant because a couple of years ago, I had a Rocky Patel edition, uh, 2000, uh, 2011, uh, formerly the Humo Jaguar, but it was a cigar that I really enjoyed, but it had been on the marketplace for a few years at that point, but I had never smoked it until 18 months prior. Uh, the third is very simply the cigar can't suck. <clears throat> I actually have had to enjoy it. Um, but one stands to reason when you hear number seven, you would understand why that comes into play. The fact that it's good doesn't necessarily mean that it gets higher on the list because it's based on something specific. There are four limited editions. So no limited editions are allowed on my list. TAA, shop exclusives, et cetera. One and dones, not eligible for the list. Five, a previous number one cigar winner, blend specific, cannot be in the year's top 10 or as a repeat winner. So again, the Espinosa box press crema uh, Crema Box Press Toro won last year. If Espinosa Cigars releases another size for that blend, I could enjoy it even more. And it really doesn't matter uh, because it would be ineligible for my top 10 base because it was a previous winner. Uh, if you're number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, totally eligible in adjacent years um, because uh, it's not, it's, it's that they're not number one winners, right? So, uh, if Crux decides to release a different size in the Bull and Bear, you better believe I'm going to try it. I'm probably going to enjoy it. Probably going to be eligible for the top 10 in future years. Um, so there's number five. Number six, a company cannot have more than one cigar in the top 10. This is very important to me because I don't want my list to be company heavy. I want to have a nice variety and uh, backing to it. So um, the the big thing for me is I wanted to have the ability to have as much variety in my top 10 as possible. And um, that was very important to me to have that as a piece of criteria. And then the flat final point of criteria is the number seven. I call it the big one. It's the frequency of smoke. So basically I've had to have had this, the means and the opportunity and did in fact smoke the cigar frequently. Um, so George coming back online now and George asked me last year, um, how um, many cigars did I actually smoke of the Box Press Toro? And there actually isn't much, there's not terribly a lot of difference in the terms of the frequency between one and 10 uh, last year. This year, there's actually a little bit more disparity in it. Um, my number one cigar of the year, uh, I am uh, I am into my fifth box of, 
So I've smoked over four boxes of my number one cigar of the year. I have smoked uh, my number 10 cigar of the year. Um, I have smoked, uh, I have smoked a box specifically. So, so there's a little bit greater disparity between one and 10 than there was last year. Last year, it was like three boxes was the number one cigar of the year to two and a half was the number 10 cigar of the year or two was the number. So there's a lot less disparity last year. There's greater disparity this year. Um, just happened to fall that way. I don't think it has anything to do with the cigars. So, uh, George, you're back. Yes, thank you. I have no idea what happened, but here I am. Can't no keep sweat. me down. No sweat. So I, uh, I like the I like the criteria rundown. It's good. It's always good to keep that in people's minds, um, regardless of whether they're late joiners or constant viewers or anything. It's it's good. It's good to establish clearly how you arrived at these and that. Again, like I said, compared to a lot of other lists, this is not you know. Uh, trophy installations. These are things that you're really truly familiar with and engaged with. And mm -hmm. that, to me, it's like the, that defines what marks a great cigar is that it is a part of your life, that you want to have them, you want to keep smoking them, you want them for future occasions. Yeah, a thousand percent. thousand percent. So, um, went to, um, Go ahead and break down. Uh, so we're doing this. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the top 10. So let's start with the number 10 cigar yeah. of the year. Um, and this is a cigar that um, I really enjoyed. Um, and it's a company that actually has, is a former number one cigar winner on my list. Um, so there's a little bit of a tease there as I'm going to go through this. But uh, I wanted to read some of the notes uh, that, George, you actually happen to smoke the number 10. I'll let you elaborate on it a little bit. But you, specifically after smoking another one of the cigars back-to-back -back with us, you really enjoyed the cigar. Um, you know, you you know, you you know, noted the darkness and oily, uh, oily wrapper on it. The cold draw, um, you know, was a little light for you. But, uh, you know, it was a, it's a closed foot. You really enjoyed some of the some of the cigars, particularly about it. Why don't you elaborate? Uh, well, actually, let me go ahead and reveal it, and then you can kind of elaborate on your yeah. thoughts and why I enjoy it. So, the number ten cigar of two thousand and twenty three from Elos Fumar takes is the Christoph Guardrail Robusto. So, the Christoph Guardrail Robusto takes the number ten spot this year, and um, of course, this is a cigar that comes out of the Charles Fairmore factory or Tabacalera Von Eichen in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. The wrapper is a Brazilian Araparaca. The binder is listed as Dominican undisclosed. The filmer, get this, is Dominican and from the Burma Valley in Zimbabwe. So African tobacco, but not Cameroon. And not Cameroon. Yeah, that's not in the filler. So uh, Dominican manufactured. Um, Glenn Case obviously is the the head of Christoph Cigars, and uh, the story behind this is actually the guardrail is is, is in tribute to or is in tribute uh, to a horrific motorcycle accident that Glenn uh, Glenn, Glenn. Uh, had. So like uh, it's a, it's a, it's a tribute to to his survival of this horrific accident that he had, and uh, and the, the cigar itself is just absolutely fantastic. Um, 
Uh, did you know you were smoking a Kristoff when you when you pulled it out? I suspected it. Okay. I suspected it, but I but, but actually no, that's that's wrong. I did not suspect it when I pulled out the cigar and looked at it because in a way what I had in my head was number nine and what was going on there. And then I said, oh, this is a different animal. But when I cut it and lit it, I was like, hmm. And I started to feel uh, uh, that, that uh, I, I, I knew the neighborhood I was in. I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I called it a badass cigar. Right. And I yeah. and I specifically I specifically said I, I, I highlighted characteristics about it that because to me, the cigar was a was a, a constant battle. It was back and forth between sweet and sour. All these things were going on. It was incredibly lively. It was never boring. But I I concluded the whole thing by telling you that I think, you know, because I, I, I started out by calling it a horse of a different color. And then I said, I think that this wild beast can be tamed and, and become uh, a show pony. It needs a little humidor time, I think, to achieve its true potential. But there are people who are going to love it the way it jumps out at you. Uh, and so and, and then I think I, I, I think I typed underneath, if I'm not mistaken, I typed something like, if you're reading these comments and think that I didn't enjoy this cigar, I, I apologize for misleading you. I really did. It was an adventure. Uh, so, so uh, bravo and uh, uh, felicitations to to Glenn, uh, to the gang. I know the factories had some issues, uh, but but great work, great work. Period. Paragraph. And good on you for uh, recognizing this because this is a company that could easily have, you know, slipped out of focus for people. Yeah, it was a it was a number one cigar that were a year winner for me a few years ago with the Christoph Vengeance uh, Double Perfecto, and um, that that different cigar, animal. Yeah, that cigar is incredible. That link, yeah, different animal. Um, stronger, like you know, this this is not a strong cigar. One would look at it and probably think the opposite. It's not strong. Uh, it's that exactly was, right. That was the surprise, the disconnect. I I love it when cigars do that, George. I don't know how you feel about it, but like when you have a when you have look at a lighter vitola or a lighter cigar, and you know we're talking about something that looks like a more of a shade and everything, and it kind of kicks you in the butt a little bit. Um, you kind of had that experience with the cigar later on in this list. Where I think it was a little surprising to you how 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 much power it packed, uh, yeah. And but I don't know how you feel about like cigars kind of uh, kind of almost misleading you a little bit. Like, hey, this is going to be a stronger cigar and it's not, or this is going to be a light cigar and it's not. Um, do you like getting cut off guard like that? Well, I always enjoy when a blender, a cigar maker, can catch me unawares um, from the beginning. Uh, I, I'm I'm I, I love going along with cigars and watching the turns that they take and uh, uh, the evolution that they show. In other words, how the 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 blend flowers and uh, and gives you you know different qualities. But I am far more excited by looking at cigars that I think people will underestimate and go, oh, what can that little thing do? Or what it, that that's just a blonde Connecticut shade. Uh, it's going to be boring or something like that. 
and the cigar just explodes on your palate and delivers waves of flavor and uh, and and you're sitting there going oh my god where did this come from it's spectacular i love that that's a tremendous experience i'm less impressed when i see a cigar which is you know you open it up and you smell it and you pull it out. It's a bruiser. It's greasy. It's, you know, it's got oil and shine. And it's, a, you know, it's what I call an evil looking cigar. You know, it's a, it's like a, a all, all muscled up for competition weightlifting or something. And then it, 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 it's an empty suit. It doesn't deliver that. Now, if, if a cigar can combine things that are, you know, characteristics that are of a rich, bold, heavy cigar, but be at a lower power level and deliver with finesse and, and strike you with floral and sweet notes as you go through the cigar, then yeah, I'm enchanted. I love it. But for the most part, when a cigar presents as being a big, bold, powerful cigar and, and actually smokes, not mild, let's say, but, but you know, on the, on the lighter side of medium, I'm like, hmm, okay, what, what's going on here? But listen, everything a blender does uh, has a motivation. You know, in other words, they're trying to share something. So I'm always interested in going for that ride. And if they can surprise me, if they can give me a twist, if they can deliver a, a flavor or a, a body experience that I wasn't ready for, I'm overjoyed. And all I want to do is do it again. Right. So, you know, I, 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 I guess in a way I'm, I'm, I'm equivocating in that answer because what, what I, I I'm disappointed by cigars that promise to be big, bold badasses and turn out to be wimpy, but uh, I'm still interested in the process. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So George, this is a good time for us to mention something that you and I talked about off air earlier today. And so I wanted to elaborate on it. So again, what I did, Last year and this year is I sent George these cigars blind, took all the labels off. Of course, last year's uh, number five cigar, the B, uh, the Cavalier of Geneva B two Jalapa Viso, kind of kind of kind of gave it away. Uh, the the the, <laughs> the gold diamond kind of gave that one away. So, uh, and again, the Christoph's a great example of this. The iconic closed foot, the 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 pigtail cap. Uh, that's pretty large is, is it, it, it's, it's a Christoph staple. There's a couple other cigars in the market mm -hmm. that do this. Like you mentioned a Liga, for example, that does some yeah. similar stuff, but uh, yes. you know, some of these you probably can tell right off the bat, whether they taste or look differently. So, but for the most part, I wanted him to have a genuine experience and George, I'm going to change this up because I'd love to invite you back next year already. You mentioned, I put numbers on the bags. So I had yes. each cigar individually yes. bagged, Boveda pack, everything, um, for your enjoyment. And, um, and so I, so the numbers that I sent you actually could correspond to their rank in the list. Yeah. Um, so next year I'm actually going to change that up. I'm just going to number them. Just, um, just give me letters. Don't yeah. number them. Just give me letters. Just oh, there give me letters. Go. And then I don't know whether oh, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know how it's numerical ranking is. Oh, okay. I, I only, and, and listen, I, I, to be honest, I assumed that you did not put them in your ranking order. Yeah. So I chose a random skipping across the cigars that you sent for my experiments. In other words, I did not, I did not say, well, number 10 is going to be the, the weakest or the worst. And number one is going to be the, the, right. you know, the, 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 the taste explosion. 
I just said I'm gonna I'm gonna take them as one through ten just for the fact that this is cigar number one through ten. So yeah, I go for letter, but but I and and I look first. I accept automatically. I love this. It's so much fun. So I'm happy to do it next year, God willing, and the crypt don't rise that we're we're all here and everybody's happy and healthy. But uh, and and I'll accept a blind smoke under virtually any condition. Because to me, it's one of the great pleasures. Smoke a cigar without any uh, attachments, without any preconditions, without any storytelling to set the stage or to lead you in a direction of thought. You just take the cigar and you light it up and you let the cigar speak to you. And that is one of the great, great joys that we have today. And if you have a good tobacconist, you know, there's all kinds of you, you can walk into your favorite cigar lounge and sit down and say to the uh, staff, uh, surprise me and, and let them bring you something that you don't know. I do. I have a thing I call blind date where I where I tell people, uh, you know, they come and join me and I give them naked cigars. Uh, and then we, we go through and, and tease out their reactions. Uh, and then you typically I do a pairing with, you know, I do I do a, something to drink. Uh, uh, and 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 try and 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 find out you know how it plays whether it does but but it's phenomenal because people go wow I never knew I liked that and that's my mission is I want everybody to get better at recognizing the, the things that they love and be more confident in their own taste right, right. so so when when you're sitting in the cigar store and the rep comes in and goes this is the greatest thing since sliced bread you know you got to have this it's the best cigar you, you and you can snatch it out of their hands and say i'll be the judge of that um, right because that's what you want exactly. it's, it's what you and i think is the best could differ in many ways i'm sure there are a lot of things that you and i uh enjoy uh, uh, mutually, and and uh, we would we would be united in saying, oh yes, this is wonderful, and the honorable mentions in a way sort of pointed some of those things up. But as we have seen already, there are things that are a hit for you and a miss for me, and that's the great beauty of this. We're we live in a time when there is uh, extraordinary effort out there. There's an array of tobacco to work with. These blenders have a, a you know. Great palates themselves, and then P A L E T T E. They have great palates of tobacco to choose from. You know the range of flavors that they have for building these things is fantastic. So we have so many choices, and that's one of the reasons why I love it when somebody throws a curve and gives me some a taste, a flavor, something. I go, wait a minute, I haven't had that before. Where's that coming from? Exactly. That's the you know, it's brilliant. Exactly. Sorry, stepping off my soapbox. No, it's okay. So so let's go ahead and talk about the number nine cigar because I think that some of those points yeah. are going to come up to in this. So number nine cigar of the year for this year. Now, this was a re-blend, so I, therefore it made it eligible. Yeah. So it's a new cigar. It's not a new brand, but mm -hmm. it is a re-blend. And so therefore it became eligible for this list. And I started smoking the cigar. I've had it, I had a couple of before this, but... I started smoking a lot of this cigar uh, during a campaign that I did earlier this year uh, with 20 Days of Freedom. And so that, it, uh, which I'll get into in just a second. So the number nine cigar of the year is from United Cigars, the United Toro Maduro. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, uh, it's from Tabaculera Mejia. 
uh, in the Dominican Republic. So two Dominican Republic manufactured cigars so far. Mm -hmm. uh, the wrapper is Mexican San Andre. The binder is undisclosed Dominican. The filler is yeah. Dominican Broadleaf, Quisquiera, uh, uh, Dominican Seco, and Dominican Allure. So heavy, heavy Dominican in the intertwinings of the cigar. Um, and I really enjoy this cigar. I smoked a lot of it. It's had this campaign early on in the summer. I started the I started smoking uh, 20 Days of Freedom, which marked Flag Day, uh, June 14th mm -hmm. to July 4th. And so every day I smoked a United Cigar um, to commemorate the 20 days between uh, one of the most unsung of holidays in our country and one of the most mm -hmm. sung holidays in our country. Um, yes. and, then I, and then I smoked some more after that, too. So I really enjoyed the cigar. It's rustic. It's earthy. It's got a really nice subtlety to it. Again, Maduro, you think stronger. It's not a strong cigar. It's a very easygoing smoke. Uh, this is a great cigar to uh, as an everyday cigar, in my opinion. For if you want bang for your buck, also a very good cigar too. Um, but this makes my number nine spot, uh, and it makes it very, very good smoke uh, for me. I really liked, like I said, I really liked a lot of the earthiness components to it. There's a really nice, clean uh, kind of uh, finish to it. The, the 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 finish on the retro hail is a little bit more medium. I like longer finishes. Um, yeah. But I like the minerality of it. Uh, that's going to come up with uh, with George's assessment here in a second. I like. I tend to like some minerality in my cigars, most notably in my number one cigar from a couple of years ago, the uh, the Crew Mexi Soul from La Barba uh, was had a very minerally uh, profile that I really dug. It really, really sang a very, very complex blend. I'm not comparing this to the La Barba Crew Mexi Soul. They're completely two different cigars, no. other than the fact that they're different both cigar. Yeah, both manufactured in the Dominican, uh, but that's why I enjoyed it. Um, but to that point, George, when a couple of points you were talking about earlier, um, I, you had some you had some different thoughts on this cigar early on, and uh, wanted you to elaborate with it. So, well, first of all. Uh, to me, it's a little bit of a stretch to characterize this as a Maduro. It's a classic San Andres. You know, it has that almost Sumatra-like grain and tooth. That's one of the things that I said right away that the tooth is is was very subtle. Uh, but and it was it was gorgeous. But overall, I characterized the cigar as as uh, inoffensive. The one thing I told you from the beginning is the moment that I lit that cigar, it instantly reminded me of the early 90s La Aurora blends. Not, obviously not the Vitola, but the, but the blend flavor and personality. And I got, I told you, I wrote down, it, it had mineral and tea notes. There's, there's a very interesting tea notes that are in it, comes from one of the specific tobaccos that's in there. But I, I have to say, I was uh, a little bit disappointed by because I wanted the cigar to do more. I was not unhappy with the way it started. I was not unhappy with the with the range where the flavors were, but it just sort of it didn't do enough for me. Now I, I have to tell you this, and I and I I'm gonna we're gonna follow this up. I've smoked, especially since the trade show, I've smoked a fair amount of these. And I, I have different memories of the taste highlights and the sort of story arc of the cigar. In other words, what it did uh, while I was smoking it. Now, I don't know if that was circumstance 
or me or something else. But I was, uh, uh, I, I think I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you can, you can tell me, but I believe I gave this scar the lowest score out of all the ones that I submitted to you. And I would certainly tell you that this, the number six that I'm smoking right now, outpoints it uh, in a variety of ways, but not significant, not huge. But I think I gave this an 85 or an 86. Yeah. And I said, listen, it's, I like it, but it's not. And remember, it, for me, when I'm doing the 100-point scale, it's honest. In other words, I can give you, I can describe cigars that are, you know, 70, 75, 80, uh, that I think you know, merit those ratings, uh, and, and, and other people would be horrified by that, but that, that's where it is, which is why when you give an 85 or an 86, it indicates a level of accomplishment. It isn't just necessarily pressing my buttons. Right, right, exactly. And, and then to that point too, you, on the, on the CA scale, the old CA scale that you are referencing the hundred yeah. point scale on the Christoph, the number 10 cigar, you gave a 90.5. So you are truly, you exactly that right. cigar. so yeah. So that's, I enjoyed a, it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, it, it, it's, and, and by the way, you have those two cigars very close together, but you would, you would, you would also say that they are different cigars in the spectrum in terms of performance, richness. Uh, in other words, their mission is different. Yes. Yes. Very much so. I would say, and I, I described this, the United Cigars, probably the least complex of my list. And yeah. that's not to say, like, I enjoy complexity. I I really do. It's something that I look for in a cigar. And I'm not trying to be an apologist for my pick at all. I smoked a ton of these. And I will continue mm -hmm. to smoke a ton of these because I really mm -hmm. like I really like the blend. I really think that that earthy, gritty, um, minerally taste that has some, yeah, it, it 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 speaks to my palate in a really real way. And I really enjoy it. Um and I, I think, I I think, think that if you're, if you're walking uh, down a dusty road in Texas, it might be a perfect thing to, uh, to, to smoke. But I would say to, to the, the way that I can talk about the cigar and, and be it, it complimentary in this sense, it's simple and straightforward. And it's a very clean yeah. smoke. It yeah. had a, Super a, clean. a lovely, light, dusty finish, that, but, but there, it's short. Right. In other words, it's not one of these cigars you're smacking your lips and going mm -mm -mm, and and uh, and and sitting there. It's not a cigar that, that and, and I don't I know this is going to sound negative, but but it, in a way it's not really. But it's not a cigar that makes me go when I get to the end of it, I go, I can't wait to light up another. One. I want I wanted something different. Yeah. And I think to that. I think that's where you and I differ, George. This, this is a cigar that I smoked mm -hmm. on repeat and I smoked back to back mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. quite a bit um, just because I, I mean, again, I, I truly enjoyed it. Um, and I think it's, it began, I'll go back to your comment about it. It's a super clean smoke. Like in it, and it, mm -hmm. I, I really, I really enjoy from time to time, a very straightforward cigar. And this, 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 that this rings of that. I mean, it just, it, it's a really yeah. fantastic experience. Um, I think uh, I think United Cigar did a terrific job on the reblend. Yep. I really liked the Absolutely. as opposed to the box press. I thought I wouldn't. I honestly thought I wouldn't when they when they announced that they were going to a Pareo style. I was like, no, I like the box press. And you know, from an aesthetic standpoint, I love that United label and I loved it on a box press. And I was like, oh, it's sensational. Yeah. Uh, but when they went to the the Parejos, it's really it's really good. And um, um, 
you know, it's a great mission. They've got, um, you know, they put a, they put a star, uh, from, uh, an abandoned, uh, rescued flag in each one. And, 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 and it all goes to mm-hmm. charities for veterans and it just, and, um, I mean, it sings to my soul in a number of different ways, but the cigar backs it up in my opinion. And I really, really enjoyed it. So, um, so congratulations to the number nine cigar of the year, United Cigars, mm-hmm. Toro Maduro. And uh, this brings up our number eight. And then I'm going to ask you to put down that number six, George, here in a minute. We're going to switch to the number four cigar because um, um, I want you to get to two and one before we get to the end of the night, too, as well. So you want me, I can I can put this down. I was just making some quick notes, but I can put this down. You can see where I am in this that I that I didn't cheat. It's uh, you'll you'll have a full experience uh, based on you know, the size that it was when we began and I'm going to light up. You want me to light up four? Yeah. So this is the, uh, in true fashion last year, George smoked all 10 cigars with the exception of the number eight cigar of the year last year, which was the, at the time was the, uh, was the, or excuse me, he didn't smoke the, uh, the number six. He didn't smoke the Grux Bull and Bear six. until later. Yeah. Yes. So this one is, uh, this one, this number eight is the only cigar that he has not smoked. So I'll wax on poetically about it, but I, George, I can't wait to yeah. get your thoughts later after you have time to smoke it. Um, Absolutely. And this is, this is a fantastic cigar. Um, and this is uh, from a cigar company that has appeared on my list number uh, numerous times. It's streak ended last year. It had appeared on all of my lists uh, up until last year. And, um, and it's back. And that is the HVC Selection Number One Natural Porosos. It's a wrapper, a, a Habano 92 Ecuadorian wrapper. Binder is Nicaraguan undisclosed. Filler is Nicaraguan undisclosed, but we all know it came from uh, Aganor Sleeve. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Con- country of origin, of course, is Nicaragua, and it's coming from uh, uh, it's coming from uh, the new factory that um, that. Uh, that um, Rainier Lorenzo uh, has opened, uh, Fabrica de Tobacos HVCSA. It's a Porosos Vitola 54 by 6, so, you know, Toro, Toro Extra um, yeah. is, the, is the size. Um, this cigar um, is one of those cigars that absolutely captures you from the first light, in my opinion. Uh, and is insanely consistent throughout the smoking experience. I smoke it down to the nub each and every time, burn my fingertips off. Uh, and I really want to cur- commend Rainier on this. It's not an easy task to open a factory. Uh, yeah. And it's certainly not an easy task to produce consistency at the level that he has yeah. in such a, in a very, very, very short amount of time. Um, you know, my friends over at Developing Palettes, uh, who are 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 very very strict and uh, and uh, in their in their analyses of cigars and they you know if they don't like it they're gonna let you know. Uh, and, harsh, yeah, harsh. Those guys, uh, they they need to learn what a grading scale is. They're, they're they're tough, man. These are the teachers with the arch that smack in your knuckles. Yeah, they're 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 a tough crowd, and uh, I love them for it. They're fantastic, but they've been really high on the stuff that's come out of his factory. Um, and, and overall, and it's been, uh, it's been really great to see what Rainier has done with this new project of his, uh, of course, he's still procuring tobacco through Aganorsa leaf and, but he's manufacturing them on his own now. And this is, uh, this was one of the first ones to, have to, to, to come out. 
There's a Maduro version as well. The natural is the one that makes the list this year at number eight. So the HVC selection number one natural Podorosos. Um, curious, uh, George, have you smoked any other HVC uh, over the years that really kind of stood out to you? Because it, again, it's been a consistent. Other than last year, he had been a consistent uh, uh, a or That's not a word, but I'm gonna make it one. Uh, he had consistent appearances on my top ten. Yeah, I, I I've smoked quite a few. There's a uh... There's an HBC Robusto that I'm particularly charmed by. Um, I, uh, I'm trying to remember. I want to say that that, that Adrian uh, uh, Sardinia, you know, that, that that has the shop in Princeton, but is also uh, um, a broker for for some lines. He he's uh, he's he's done some uh, good work uh, with Rainier and uh, traveled with him. He he sampled uh, me with a couple. And I was um, let's say that I was skeptical to begin and, and completely charmed by the experience. Yeah, I think he I, I, I when he first came out, uh, you know, which has been 10 years now, um, which has been crazy to think that he's been on the market that long now. But mm -hmm. he is it's, 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 they're ten years old is is, is wacky, but yeah. they were simpler cigars in the in the early days. Uh huh. The Sierra Maduro made an appearance on my list. The C the Siri A made an appearance on my list. Broadleaf made a uh, uh, appearance on my list, and I mean his, his cigars were just absolutely sensational. Um, I really really have come to enjoy it. The San Isidro that he makes is still one of my favorite cigars that he makes. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um. So really, but I think that what you're seeing what. What what everything that he's doing is showing his growth, mm -hmm. his mastery of the tobaccos, and his blending skills, uh, uh, or or let's say his his ambitions in terms of the things that he's trying to get the cigars to do have grown exponentially, and I'm really impressed. Right, thousand percent, thousand percent, great stuff. So and so their their position that you. Earning, earning spots on your list has most certainly been justified. It's not like you were uh, hornswoggled into, uh, uh, you know, that, that somebody sold you a bill of goods with these cigars. No, absolutely. I've, yeah, I've enjoyed these three cigars immensely. Obviously, they're in my top 10 for a reason. So to round out, so that's, uh, we'll, we'll jump into number seven, six, and five after a quick break and a topic that I have put together yeah. for George. Um, but number 10, of course, just to recap, was our Christophe Cigars Guardrail Robusto, a Brazilian Ataparaca wrapped cigar with binder uh, from Dominican Republic, a Burma Valley, Zimbabwe, and Dominican in the filler. Uh, United Toro Maduro, the wrapper was saying in Mexican San Andre, Dominican binder, Dominican Allure, Dominican Seco, uh, Dominican Broadleaf Quisiera in the uh, in, uh, the uh, the filler and then the last uh, cigar that we just talked about was the number eight cigar of the year the hvc selection number one natural porosos uh, a wrapper which is habano 92 ecuadorian nicaraguan undisclosed filler undisclosed uh, manufactured at Rainier lorenzo's fabrica de tobaccos hvc sa um so um bigger bigger cigars um for the most part the the robusto is a little bit of a misnomer for the for the christoph it's a, it's more like a corona extra mm -hmm. um yeah. And anything else, it's not really a true robusto size, but but uh, Glenn's always done some really unique things with his vitolas. There, you know, the Matador is probably one of the more unique ones that he does. The Double Perfecto Vengeance, that was my number one cigar of the year a couple of years ago. Um, 
but uh he uh man i, I really like christoph cigars really like uh you know hvc and united's been a cigar you know obviously i partner with them uh, you know candidly obviously they are a sponsor of the show which we're about to get into their sponsored mm-hmm. segment um but they've really wowed me with some of their production so in a lot of ways um so that leads us into uh tonight's uh united cigar segment which is always fe- uh the presidential trivia segment which is always brought to you by united cigars featuring la Gianna of the temple havana distrib- distributors of jose dominguez bandolero garofalo the firecracker the and the Atabay byron and uh, out of a barn and now alfonso lines from selected tobacco smoke alfonso. one today and uh start living united so here's tonight's uh presidential trivia question uh it's an a b or c multiple choice for you mm-hmm. george uh the second president of the united states uh john adams and his wife abigail adams very famous americans indeed um were noted um noted writers of letters to each other and correspondence yes exactly so they they spent a lot of time writing is is obviously john was was traveling quite a bit you know he was a revolutionary during the early part of their marriage and 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 his efforts uh of breaking off uh uh, the american colonies from uh british uh rule uh, probably really consumed a lot of his uh early days in their marriage and everything but over the course of their lifetime they exchanged quite a number of letters so um George, here's your multiple choice answers. How many ad- how many letters of correspondence did John and Abigail Adams exchange over their lifetime together as a married couple? Was it over 100? Was it over 500? Or was it a th- over 1,000 letters that they exchanged in their lifetime? Over 1,000. 1,000%. So the exact count is 1,012. That's a lot of writing. Yeah. It's a lot of writing. So I, I think Abigail Adams is unappreciated as, well, first of all, she raised their kids who uh, had, uh, you know, virtually on her own uh, uh, to become uh, quite accomplished. But I think that her counsel to John, especially at, at, at really strategic moments when, uh, you know, this, you, you have to understand somebody that had to be uh, torn in terms of, of the positions. I just think that she's a little bit unappreciated. Uh, not that you know there aren't biographers who have who have treated her, but but in general, I think the history books have a tendency to slight Abigail, uh, and I think that's unjust. I think it's completely unfair, and I think that her as a topic in history is something that is a little bit underrated. You know, there's been numerous mm-hmm. books I've read on, of course, Mary Todd Lincoln. Uh, of course, Eleanor Roosevelt has a numerous, numerous uh, writings of, mm-hmm. on her behalf and well-deserved. I mean, she's one of the iconic women of the 21st century, and she's one of the iconic women of our American history. So therefore, I mean, Jackie Onassis Kennedy, even Hillary Clinton, for example. So like these are first ladies that have garnered a lot of attention over the years, historically speaking. And they're all, you know, they're all they're all fascinating characters in the American fabric. Um um, you know, but I think Abigail Adams is definitely probably the most underrated first lady. Uh, um, you know, um, I think Dolly Madison gets the shaft a little bit too, but she's, she's, she's always bookmarked in history as the person who saved a lot of, you know, you know, saved a lot of American relics out of the white house, you know, during the, the siege yeah. of Washington. Do- Dolly Madison has been, she's been celebrated quite a bit. Uh, maybe you have to be a little bit of a history geek to, uh, to, to you know have her top of mind and stuff like that 
but she's had her day in the sun with historians where I think Abigail has been um, sort of in the shadow of John, who was a brilliant man, a great writer, uh, uh, a great thinker. Uh, But I I believe in many ways, Abigail was his conscience. Mm -hmm. You know, she, she made him, she was strength for him. She would say, John, you know, that's not right. Stuff like that. So, I mean, the letters are, uh, I, I believe there's a collected volume, but the letters are fascinating reads because she's every bit as bright as he is. Correct. Yeah. That's what I've always taken out of the, in the history and stuff. And like you, you think about first ladies have actually garnered more national attention over the last few years, mostly because of our access to it and the, 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 the free, the free, you know, the free flowing of information, you know, Melania Trump, Michelle Obama, you know, uh, Laura and Barbara Bush, uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, Nancy Reagan, you know, but if you, once you start getting into just, just before Reagan, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really know the first ladies, um, you know, going all the way back to Eleanor Roosevelt, you have to go all the way back to Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, Jackie Onassis Kennedy captured the national attention for a lot different reason. And it certainly wasn't because of her. Well, don't forget Lady Bird. Lady Bird was very, very. Uh, That's true. That's uh, true. She was very involved. She was a real active uh, first lady uh, and and responsible for a great deal of uh, beautification uh, around um, the city in particular, but but throughout the country. She that woman had a had a, a sharp mind and a uh, and, and and great political instincts. Without um, without wanting them to be front and center, the way that uh, you know, in a way, Hillary and uh, uh, Michelle Obama uh, demanded uh, attention, and I don't mean that from from their sense that that, that their actions, their minds, their their careers uh, were impossible to ignore. Yeah. In the in the in in the first half of the twentieth century. Um, it, there's no question that, that that Eleanor Roosevelt is the is the model for uh, the, the, the 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 first lady. But as a general rule, they are in the background and 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 rarely thought of as significant factors in the legacy of their husbands. You know, in other yeah. words, they're 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 you know I, this is a horrible cliche, but in a way, it's true in this case. They're their footnotes to history rather than main pages. And right. it's unfair. It is unfair. Yeah. I mean, for example, for example, my big, the biggest, probably the biggest travesty when it comes to where they're observed in history. And because a lot of ways she was just, she, you know, she's viewed as a placating supportive wife when she probably could have, she probably could have done a lot more had the reputation of her husband not really destroyed the whole family, which was Pat Nixon. You know, um, yeah. you know that you know she she's 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 remembered in history as just being the, the kind of the supportive wife of of you know one of the most, if not the most, controversial president in, in the certainly the twenty first century, if not all history. Um, and so that's that that's a little unfair for Pat Nixon, but um, it yeah overall, first ladies are definitely not given the attention that they deserve in the national in the national uh, uh, spectrum. And Abigail Adams certainly falls within that, uh, as there are so yeah. many other uh, first ladies that are remembered a lot better from her. So, um, hey, can I ask you a question? Sure. You, you, it, it, just because about this segment, because I love it, Bear. I love it when you do this. 
is this stuff that you dream up or do they come to you and say, hey, we want to talk about X oh, when they're talking about, about the sponsorship yeah, of the no, segment? No, yeah, Oliver's it's, been fantastic. It's, it's you. Me free license with this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I absolutely, no, I, I'm, presidential history is something like history in general, but presidential history is something that's always captivated my attention. Uh, the uh, I've been asked this questions on a, on a, a number of times, but I'll, I'll recap it essentially for my audience tonight and for you too. Like the, the idea of being the president of the United States is incredibly fascinating to me. Um, and I, I agree with a, a few noted satirists uh, that have lamented over the years about how you have to be fucking crazy you have to be like certifiably nuts to run for president and become president of this country. Because at any given point, you wake up every day, every day, and you make decisions for you that you believe are for the betterment of this country, like it or not. And half the country hates you and half the country loves you. There's no in between. Half the people love you. Well, I'll go you one you. better, though. I'll go you one better. You have to be beyond certifiable to have been a vice president and been that close to the process, the pressures, the daily regimen, the, the, the demands that it places on you. Uh, it not, you know, don't think for a minute that the stress that it places on your family life doesn't have major impact on your soul as well, because the, the, the burdens of the presidency are such that your family almost inevitably takes a back seat. So yes. if you are a witness to that happening and then go, okay, that's the job for me. That's the job I want. boy, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, a it's a lot, it, yeah. it, you know, so uh, your, 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 your interest in it and your, uh, uh, desire to, to to dig deeper and know more than the surface of you know the the the, the, the scholastic reader version of presidencies is extremely commendable. I love the fact that it's a segment on this show. Well, thanks, George. I appreciate it. then that. Of course, was our United Trivia segment, which is always brought to you by United Cigars. Smoke with today. Start living United. They are the distributors of of. Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. So next up we have uh, on this, I wanted to talk about, as, as you're kind of making your way through this next cigar, and then we'll get back to the numbers here. I wanted to bring up a particular topic that I thought was interesting um, as we kind of went into this, um, uh, went into a couple of items here. So the, uh, the first topic, of course, of of notes was um, going back in your own history. And I know we explored a lot of this last time, but I wanted to go back to the time that when Cigar Aficionado was first um, came to market. So you happen to be acquainted with Marvin Schenken. You were running a store in New York at the time. That's obviously where Marvin's hmm. from. Um, and you guys were acquainted. Obviously he was a, I guess he was a frequent customer of yours. Is that how the relationship started or did it start somewhere else? No, well, he was really what he was was a frequent customer of Morel and Company, the great uh, New York wine store uh, that was our next door neighbor at 535 Madison Avenue. We're talking about Davidoff, and one of the one of the, the uh, family uh, came over and said, "Listen, we got a guy uh, uh, that we want you to meet. 
but but he Nico said to me, he said, I take no responsibility for what happens. He said, he's the only person I know who's as crazy about cigars as you are, but I take no responsibility for what, what happens. Uh, and and uh, Marvin, uh, he, he, you know, I don't know, uh, maybe later that week or something, Marvin dropped in and he brought him over. And, and I, I swear, you know, you, you, we're all, if you're lucky, you have this in your life. You spend five minutes with somebody and you're fast friends and you know you're going to be friends for life. Right. Because there's just it's something clicks and 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 you you just you, you start going down these roads that, uh, you know, that, that people have known each other for years and years and years pursue. So it was it was great. But it, it by the way, let's be clear about one thing. Marvin and I were friends for a long time before he convinced me to go to work for him. If you it, listen, think about this. Marvin essentially took me from one of the best jobs in the cigar industry, period, paragraph. I was the responsible for retail operations for Davidoff in the United States. And, and you know, come on, man. I, it doesn't matter whether you like or, or, or don't like Davidoff cigars. It's an enviable job. And to leave that job, to take a job in media when, don't forget, most of Marvin's friends told him, and and virtually, not exclusively, but virtually everybody that worked for him told him cigar aficionado is a bad idea. It's going to damage the reputation of the wine spectator. You're going to hurt your standing as a publisher. This is a foible, and a uh, 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 you shouldn't do it. And and that was virtually universal. So, and I was the only one, uh, you know, that that wholeheartedly and full throatedly said, no, Martin, it's going to be a runaway hit. And and uh, to his credit, he, he saw, he said, you can do this. You can make the change. And he said, I need, actually, what he asked me was, he said, you got to find, you you have to find me some, because he'd been asking me, he'd been, he'd been telling me that I should leave Davidoff for two years. Uh, and he said, you got to find me somebody like you to help me run this magazine. And I said, Marvin, as long as you've known me. Don't you know there isn't anybody like me? There's nobody that's as crazy as me. There's nobody that eats, sleeps, and dreams cigars. Yeah, I, I, I really love some of these early stories about how it got started. I, the, the, uh, the Marvin Shakin story is there. There, the, the, in the birth of cigar aficionado is 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 one of the one of the all time, like uh, American fairy tales a little bit. For me, um, I've always enjoyed uh, this the, the retelling of it in a lot of ways. And you know, he was coming back from a trip to Cuba, and uh, the plane apparently was just a piece of shit. Didn't think he was going to make you, it. No idea. Yeah, didn't think he was going to make it, and said, swore up and down that if he yeah. did actually land, he was going to start. He wasn't going to go the rest of his life without doing a cigar publication. Calls you from Mexico. Absolutely. Calls you from Mexico yeah. to 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 pitch the idea, and uh, and then uh, you know launches a cigar aficionado. I, I think eighteen months later is when it kind of came to to market. But um, the uh, um, and of course the uh, I loved the the story with when he met with Car uh, Carlos and Carlito Fuente and said, "Hey, can you give me an ad?" And Carlos Fuente said, "I will. I will promise. I'll print. Uh, I'll print an ad in your your every magazine for as long as you're in existence." And he didn't realize he was signing up for a 
he was signing up for a true he didn't lifetime know a 30 year proposition. Yeah, exactly. Right. He didn't sign up a lifetime contract essentially. So, um, but it's been a great partnership for them. Uh, and you know, they were just awarded another number one cigar of the year this year from, from cigar aficionado. Yeah. So congratulations to the, to the, the whole family over at Fuente, uh, for putting together amazing. Well cigar. deserved. Yeah. Well deserved. The, the, uh, um, Opus X is, is, probably one of the finest accomplishments uh this industry has seen in in the last 40 years um well and to think you're exactly right to characterize um uh marvin's success as an american fairy tale a fable who knows but but the 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 story of the fuente family is the quintessential american success story in every respect Mm-hmm. And the 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 you know the drive uh, uh, the, the the ambition but the desire to give back based on everything that they appreciated that they had uh, had earned here and that that passion what what Carlito wanted to give back to the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. why he felt the need to um, make Opus a reality as opposed to a dream. Uh, is something that should be celebrated. And by the way, let's be clear. As far as consumers go, the, just the, the general law about cigar smokers that are out there, whether you love, like, or hate the Fuente Fuente Opus X, it is a masterpiece, and you should be thankful that it exists because it did something that... that uh, people have been trying to do for, for, for decades, but more importantly, it unlocked something in the entire cigar world that we're still enjoying today. We're still on that ride. So there, there's, you cannot say enough about that project, about happened, why it happened. And remember this, now this is not, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not taking anything away from what um, Don Carlos allowed Carlito to do and and the magic that he made. But without Cigar Aficionado, the stage for recognition and celebration of that achievement, just the education by the consumer that such a thing not only was possible, but was unfolding in front of their eyes, literally as they were turning the pages of the magazine, cannot be overstated. It, it without the one, the other doesn't happen. Definitely, you know, I, I go back to the story of Cigar Aficionado and it's forming. Like, so you noted in a couple of interviews that I've heard you do, George, that you know this wasn't the first foray into cigar publication. Many other people had tried, no. failed miserably, and failed. Yeah, and I, I remember your retelling of the story that you said. Great, Marvin, come on by. You and I can have a cigar and we'll talk about all the mistakes that you're not going to make in order to be successful. Um, yeah. Because you had seen some of the mistakes. What were some of the earlier uh, earlier publications? You don't have to name names necessarily, but what were some of the mistakes that were made that you knew Marvin wasn't well, going to make? There was a very interesting uh, sort of cheeky uh, cigar newsletter is really what it was. It had sort of cartoony illustrations that was published by Al Goldstein. 
magazine, believe it or not, you know, Screw oh. Magazine. Uh, and and uh, he was a very passionate cigar guy, even if he was, you know, a whack job. Um, <laughs> but it, it 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 had this mix of irreverence and a, a a sort of a loose editorial standard, so that uh, you 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 didn't know whether what you were reading when they were talking about things that were going on was uh, fact or opinion. You know, in other words, it didn't have it didn't have uh, proper reportage. It was very interesting. Uh, it was very interesting format and uh, some of the approaches. But but it it it, it needed it needed structure. It needed uh, supervision. But more importantly, it needed to be presented in a different light. This was sort of you know the problem is that that it was an Al Goldstein side project and he was more or less funding it out of his. Uh, um, pocket and if you subscribe to it which you know again all right for all you kids out there you would have to write a check on a piece of paper fill it out you know handwrite and then mail it in with a stamp attached to the envelope and then they would return once your subscription was validated in other words they cash the check and bank the money they sent you the newsletter at ridiculously irregular intervals but more importantly, it arrived in a manila envelope. It might as well have been porn, right? In other words, it was all, all wrong. Right. There was another publication which preceded Al's by uh, probably a little more than uh, half a decade, say, uh, six, maybe six years, seven years before, which was kind of a hybrid between a trade publication and a, and a consumer cigar magazine. And they had the right idea in one sense. They were trying to position cigars as part of an Epicurean lifestyle. They just didn't know how to do it. And they, uh, they didn't have uh, the money to sustain, uh, you know, some issues in the magazine would have the right amount of advertising uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, some editorial in it that, that had uh, a glint of... Uh, you know, professional reportage, uh, but others of it were like, you know, recycled press releases and supplied photography and, you know, trumped up, uh, you know, frippery. Uh, and, the, the, you know, look, it was uh, it was an early effort. And it, by the way, uh, it, it actually had a brief newsstand life. In other words, you could actually buy that on a newsstand, which was unusual in and of itself. But they couldn't sustain. They didn't have the vision. They didn't understand uh, uh, where to go. But also, I think, honestly, uh, the golden age of magazines hadn't unfolded. And uh, the, the, the methods of communicating to find your audience were inexact. And uh, all of that grew substantially in the intervening decade and a half before Cigar Aficionado appeared. Yeah, a thousand percent. So in, in, in summation, the earlier efforts were laughable by comparison, but they were striving in the right direction. Marvin had the vision that Cigar Aficionado needed to be this thing that felt like luxury in your hand. Do you subscribe to the theory? He's given a lot of credit and adjacently. So are you because you were such an you were in such an incredible influence, especially early on. Uh, that cigar aficionado is responsible for the cigar boom as we know it. Do you do you 
I mean, I, I get that it can't be objective because you were a part of the organization, but try to be as objective as possible. Do you subscribe to that theory? And do you feel like you, do you feel like you were part of cigar history in, in that impactful of a way? Yeah. I, look, I, I don't want to break my arm patting myself on the back, but uh, uh, I feel like I was integral to the success of the magazine, to the, to the vision and direction. But also I, I can be objective about some simple qualifications. So if you think about it, you know, we launched in, uh, in November of 1992, officially, that was the cover date. Uh, no, excuse me, uh, September of 1992. I had been in the business for 20 years at that point. And, you know, you, 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 you don't have to be, this is not uh, conjecture, the trade journals and U.S. government statistics support the fact that premium cigars, and, and we define them essentially the same way today that, that, that we did uh, 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 back in the, in the 70s uh, and the 80s, premium cigars imported into the United States, not to speak of, you know, the, the, the modest production in Tampa and Key West and Miami and uh, uh, even Newark, you know, U.S. production wasn't calculated in that, but it was also inconsequential relative to imported cigar statistics through those two decades. The numbers were always flirting around 100 million sticks. OK, 100 million sticks. Sometimes it'd be 99. Occasionally in a bad year, it might be 97 and a half, something like that. And we get up to 100, you know, 100.2 or 100.3. And everybody was like, oh, my God, thank God we did. We, we broke 100 million sticks this year. We launched Cigar Aficionado magazine in the third quarter of 1992. The, the, the numbers jumped so dramatically in the third and fourth quarter of 92 that the number of, and this is confirmed, these are not, well, I'm not making these up. This is not to, uh, uh, you know, puff myself up or mark, was 103 million sticks. Now, in the professional lifetime of most of the people, not all, but most of the people working in the industry, they hadn't hit that number. And the, and the, and the, 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 the the year when they could cite that they had uh, gone beyond that was in uh, 63 or 64 when the initial Surgeon General's report on smoking and health came out and there was a brief boomlet in cigars because all these people tried to quit cigarettes and take up cigars and discovered that it was a different sport and went right back to smoking cigarettes. 103 million represented a number that was staggering to people in the business. And everybody looked around at each other and said, this is anybody that tells you this isn't true, either wasn't there or is uh, obfuscating what their uh, position at the time was. They said, this can't last. We're not going to do this. Uh, we, we can't grow this way and, uh, you know, be prepared. It's going to sink back down. And the next year for 1993 the full year statistics were 107 million and people were like wow that's when everybody started to fight over tobacco and rollers and all this the, the early stages of the disruption 
that the, the boom would bring to the industry were occurred. And the same naysayers and, and doom scrollers were there going, oh, it can't last. You got to, you know, don't plan on this and uh, uh, don't change your, you know. And by the way, all these opportunists had leaped into the business there. That's the era of what we used to call the Don Nobody cigar. But the thing is that that there were all kinds of people who knew otherwise. And in 1994, the numbers were 124 million. Now, you got to realize, think about that. That means that in three years, we increased the business by 25% from, from the number in, in 1992. It's staggering to think about that. In yeah. consumer products, it, it, you don't see that kind of growth without some disaster following. And then it was in the you know 170 something like that and then it went over 200 uh and then eventually over 300 uh before the the bubble burst uh with numbers of of imports that were certainly north of 400 but a, a tremendous amount of that went unsold uh and it took several years for that to wash out now there were all kinds of people who had arrived in the cigar business in that interval in the 1990s and the only thing they knew was explosive growth so when it plateaued all of a sudden it seemed like the sky was falling and everybody was running for the hills now we washed a lot of frauds a lot of pretenders and a lot of wannabes out of the business what remains, though, is that the key players in the industry, the people who were the pillars who had already been there and who had responsibly grown in that time, were still selling not only the same numbers they were they were recording uh, acceptable growth, you know, in other words, manageable seven, eight, ten percent, stuff like that. So. While everybody was going, oh, my God, the boom's over, it's a bust cycle, things are a disaster, and uh, the sky is falling, the, the, the numbers settled back down to right around three uh, north of 300 million. So in less than a decade, a consumer products industry that relies on agrarian output, don't forget, tripled in size. Now, I defy you to find me something like that in modern history. It's extraordinary. And after a little period of adjustment, washing out all the frauds and all the bullshit unsold product, by, the, by 2000 and 2001, we started marching upwards again in increments that were manageable. And that was led by people like the Padrones and the Fuentes uh, and and uh, uh, Davidoff, you know, in other words, all of these people were, were taking a responsible and general, by the way, you know, general uh, 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 went through some some painful iterations in that time in terms of ownership. But the cigars continued to uh, um, grow. And it, it, it's just remarkable. I, I, I have to tell you, man. Uh, it was a it, it was a magic carpet ride, but but it, it what it did, how it changed everything about how the business works. So not only I mean, think about all the retailers that joined the industry and the success stories that they've written since. But the the the, the lives of people in every aspect of the business, from retailers to importers to manufacturers to the labor that they hire and the farmers that they buy from. Their lives were changed irrevocably. Everything, every the, the whole landscape altered. It, it's it's really truly it's something to be proud of. 
Absolutely. I, I love some of these stories. I can George. stop posting now. Yeah, I love I love some of these 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 stories, George. Because again, I think it's I, I, and not to put put too fine a point on it, but I mentioned earlier, it is so it's such a, a pivotal point in this in this industry's history. And you were you were at the tip of the spear, you know, you were at the tip mm-hmm. of the spear. Uh, you were part of those conversations, a part of those relationships, and you know, to say nothing of the work that you say nothing of the fact about the work that you did as a member of Davidoff and running, you know running uh well part of that was laying the groundwork yeah you know knowing right. no in other words the 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 success of davidoff is one of the things that inspired this idea that cigars belong in a different landscape than they had been casting right right so it was about moving where the industry fit in the realm of consume you know in other words it it, it took on a personality much closer to fine wine absolutely all right. Well, that let's go ahead and uh, get back into the list, George. So right now you are mm-hmm. smoking the number four cigar of the year, which we'll get up to obviously here in a little bit. How far are you into the cigar yes. so far? Uh, well, you can see I'm 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 uh, past the uh, getting to know you stage. Uh, I'd say I'm nearing the uh, the the end of the first third. So it's it's beyond cruising. It's developed its personality, and now I'm interested to see what's going to happen. But I'll tell you this: the palate uh, palate flavors are are fun. But but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We have uh, we have uh, um, five to do, right? Number seven, six, and five. So let's start with the number seven cigar yeah. of the year. This is yeah. a cigar you uh, you uh, smoked and reviewed previously, so we'll get your thoughts in just a second on it. Um, and that, uh, but uh, without further ado, the number seven mm-hmm. cigar of the year for Elos Fumar takes for twenty twenty three is the Quesada uh, Casa Magna Liga F Toro. Now this the this is the Casa Magna Liga F. It is a wrapper that is Ecuadorian Corojo, a sun-grown wrapper, Ecuadorian Corojo. Yeah. The binder is Dominican, undisclosed. Fillers are undisclosed as well from the Dominican and Nicaragua. Uh, Nicaragua. Dominican and Nicaragua. Yeah. And uh, it's actually manufactured at Tabadex. It's actually manufactured at at, at uh, Quesada Cigars. The, the, the tobacco is mm-hmm. probably procured via Placencia, as you mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's undisclosed at the moment. But it, again... So now we have three of the four cigars already mentioned manufactured in the Dominican Republic. Number 10 is the Christoph cigars manufactured at T- Tabacalera Van Eichen. The number nine cigar, United Toro Maduro, manufactured at T- Tabacalera Mejia, um, are also Dominican uh, manufactured cigars. So this is the third cigar in my top 10 that's manufactured in the Dominican, the Quesada um, Casa Magna uh, Liga F Toro. Um, and I really enjoyed this cigar for a number of reasons. I think it's probably one of the strongest, if not the most strong uh, cigar that Quesada's produced. Um, and that's, you know, and that's saying something. I think that there's a lot of, there is a lot of grit to this. Um, uh, the, 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 the use of Dominican tobacco specifically in it, I thought as a binder was really interesting. I think it really kind of gave the cigar a lot of pleasantness to it. There's a, um, the uh i mean you you pretty much picked up on it right away george i don't want to step on your notes here in a second but you picked up on it right away about the the dominican style as it were uh mineral very mineral notes uh very minerally Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. speaks to my palate um and um 
you know, some really nice earthiness to it. But that that retro hail for me was the winner on this particular cigar. Uh, very um, yeah, very woody, very tannic notes, spicy, uh, and a lot of strength to it. Again, which is not indicative of other Casa Magnas and 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 obviously most other Casada cigars, including their 40th anniversary, which is is one of my favorite cigars that they make. Um, but this was uh, this was a great cigar. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, you had some similar comparisons to uh, it being in the vein or in the scoring space of number nine, the United Toro Maduro. But I don't want to step on what you mm-hmm. had to say about it. So uh, why don't you talk to us about number seven? Well, first of all, I thought that it, it got it. The cigar looked beautiful. It had a solid, you know, had a nice hand feel. It's just like, you know, a cigar you, you want to hold and you'd be sitting there, you know, sort of holding it up and looking at it. It had a beautiful cap. Uh, uh, the wrapper was very sleek, uh, and the and the cold draw gave me a uh, um, a late nineties uh, Dominican um, style, something that was being explored at the time. But when it lit, it was warm. It was toasty. It had this sort of uh, flirting back and forth between herbal and grassy, uh, and then those mineral notes crept in, which I love in in a Dominican cigar with this kind of blend. Uh, the burn was 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 clean, even uh, lovely. The draw was elegant. Uh, the blister the blister turned a little bit big as I got down towards the the, the last third, but it had a solid white. It had an ash. It would it would hold its ash basically for for three inches. You know, in other words, you could go a third, a third, and a third, and then uh, you know poke the poke the, the the last third with your with your butt and, and put the cigar back together. It was magnificent construction. I thought it was a little, and, and, and this is part of Manolo Casada's legacy. This is a man, first of all, he's one of the great gentlemen of the business. And he is absolutely, uh, his, his mission is to make elegant cigars. He's not about uh, pumping you over the head. And that, I think what he's learned from the time that he spent with Nestor in Nicaragua and, and the evolution of Casa Magna as a brand is really impressive. And this cigar puts it all on display. Having said that, I thought that there was, I, I love the really like subtle sweet notes that chased around, balanced by earthiness. I just wanted a little more body. I was like, give me more of this richness. Dial this up. But I think that was Manolo, specifically, that was Manolo exercising restraint with the Nicaraguan tobacco. What he was really doing was using Nicaraguan tobacco as a condiment and highlighting, showcasing how marvelous Dominican tobacco is, which is, you know, that recognition. It, It should come back to the fore. Anyway. Uh, it had a. It, there was a, the other thing that I noticed that that, that sort of uh, brought down my feeling about it a little bit was that there was this just this little metallic edge to uh, a part of the finish that I kept uh, it, it it kept registering and I was like, hmm, wonder where that's from and what's going on and it and it stayed there. It, so it, clearly it was intentional. Um, I just have to tell you, it was a pleasure to smoke the cigar. I was sitting there going, wow, you know, uh, uh, it, it was it was really, really classic. 
uh, and and I I I think that that kind of cigar making doesn't get recognized enough. I think there's a lot of people who want to buy those and smoke them, but they don't want to tell anybody because they yeah. want to they want to say that they smoke Tarzan cigars. Nice. Yeah, I I I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, the I think Quesada has produced some of the, its finest cigars overall in its history in the last couple of years. Um, I think it's I think that's a trend that's going to continue. Um, and uh, and you know in future years you might see more Quesada cigars. Yeah, Raquel and Patricia, they their best cigar. I think the best cigar is the next generation is is doing wonderful things and you're going to see that that's going to continue. And by the way, you've already, you've already hit it in your, uh, in your honorable mentions because the Casadas make the, uh, the, 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 uh, timeless that you were saluting. Yes. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. So, so we, we know, we know where they're going. Yes. thousand percent. So that brings up the number six cigar, which you actually kicked off the evening with, uh, George, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. Now, this cigar uh, is uh, is made by a company that has been uh, a, a staple uh, at the top end of my list uh, since its origin uh, in 2017, um, and um, and it's a fantastic cigar. I really enjoyed it. And this is a this is a brand, a cigar brand that has kind of burst onto the scene the last couple of years um, in in a very very terrific way like nothing else that this industry has ever seen we talked about uh, uh just a few moments ago in our topical discussion about the the boom as it were um and uh without the boom you know what i call the renaissance of cigars which is 2012 plus wouldn't have happened and i think we're seeing another renaissance you know in the last few years and uh underway yes absolutely um and uh that's so the number six cigar of the year is the Espinosa Knuckle Sandwich Connecticut Short Churchill, uh, which is a six yeah. and a half by 48 Vitola. Uh, it's, it's made at the San Latano factory. So AJ Fernandez man, manufactured, but it is an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper. Binder is Nicaraguan undisclosed. Filler is Nicaraguan disclosed. Bended by Hector Alfonso of Espinosa Cigars. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Nickel Sandwich brand has been something that has really captured national attention because of the man behind it, Guy Fieri. So, uh, and uh, the Connecticut, um, the Connecticut uh, 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 expression of his blend has been something that I really have gravitated towards. This was my favorite size and Vitola of this particular line, and I really enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, you know, it's got it has a lot of pop to it. Um, and with that beautiful creaminess from the wrapper, um, and I've, I've just particularly enjoyed this cigar, uh, and in the way that it kind of smokes the, you know, Connecticut shade. And I mentioned this last year, um, George with, uh, my top two cigars having Connecticut shade from Ecuador as their primary wrappers, you know, you know, when I started this list in 2017, I never would have thought Connecticut Shade would be such a prominent role in my lists in, in years to come. And and uh, last year, certainly uh, being highlighted as the top two spots were for that wrapper specifically. And But here we are again in 2023, and we have another Connecticut Shade making the list. And it's none other than our friends who had the number one cigar of the year last year with Espinosa, the Knuckle Sandwich, Connecticut Short Churchill. So 
You started off the evening with this cigar, George. What were your impressions of it? Well, first of all, I thought it was beautiful to 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 look at, and the box press was terrific. It was the the claro shade. I mean, that was legitimate, real. It it had true Connecticut qualities. You know, there's sometimes when you see Ecuador, Connecticut, and and it feels like it sort of wandered off the campus a little bit. Uh, but that was classic. It had perfect draw. It burned beautifully. And it delivered, you know, waves of that creamy flavor. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit herbal. There's, there's, there's those little citrus notes that sort of dance in and out. Uh, honestly, I, I have to tell you, I think in a lot of ways, this cigar is like Guy and, and his show and his whole success story. It's a ridiculous overachiever, right? So in other words, you're talking about um, somebody that came to this with strong ideas about what he wanted to do, what his ambitions were, that he didn't want to be, uh, you know, just taking somebody's cigar and putting a, a wrapper, you know, on it and selling it to his to his audience. He wanted to actually get his hands dirty and be a part of the process and, and have something that he could be proud of. And I swear to God, he did it. So uh, I, I just I salute him. I salute you for including it, because this is the kind of thing that cigar snobs could turn down easily. Oh, Guy Fieri. Are you kidding me? No, man. This cigar is the real deal. Now, is it um, uh, a Davidoff late hour? Is it a... Uh, uh, and Alfonso from from United. No, it's not that complex. But what it delivers is so beautiful. The floral notes, the creaminess that it has, the way the mouthfeel. Look, those guys did magic. They they clearly got guys' creative brief and coached him through the process and came up with something which deserves its place on this list and on retailer shelves. To me, enough said. That's a, uh, th th this is a cigar that, that I think is going to continue. It, it's not a, this is not a celebrity cigar. This is not a, you know, a, a, a George Clooney tequila wannabe. It's a totally different thing. So, you know, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm just happy that it's fair. Yeah, I I I again I've I said it before at the top of the show. I've said it numerous times. Hector has a blending style and a recognition of tobacco, the way that they come together, in a way that really just speaks to my palate. We call it the you know certain mm -hmm. factories have a signature to it. Um, mm -hmm. AJ Fernandez is certainly no exception. He might be one of the most prominent examples of this having a signature to his cigars. Yet, what I find very curious, and I do like AJ cigars. A lot of people don't like AJ cigars. I do. Um, but um, what I find very impressive from Hector and Eric is they've potentially they've put together cigars coming out of San Latano that don't taste like San Latano cigars. If they that makes sense. Don't taste like San Latano, which is which is interesting. It's creative. It it it's um, first of all, it's original. It's good for them, but. Um, that's harder to do than you think, right? In other words, consumers may not recognize that, you know, factories have affinities for tobacco and for styles. And when the, when the, when the maestro has a house style that, that they're developing, 
it, it's hard to color outside the lines from that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even just as something as simple as the inventory of tobacco that exists uh, is a challenge. So, I, again, I say I, I think this is an accomplishment. It's something that deserves being saluted. And I'm just glad that, that it's there. So yeah, we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to future appearances. For sure. So this, uh, this, this, this is the number five cigar of the year. Now we're up to number five. So we're going to break into the second mm-hmm. half, the, uh, the upper half of mm-hmm. my list here shortly after a couple more topical discussions and giving, uh, giving George the chance to smoke the number two and number one cigars, which we'll, we'll smoke together. Um, here in just a moment um and i'm already smoking the number two cigar of the year so um oh you got ahead of me yeah so um but um let's talk about the number five cigar of the year now george george was thoroughly impressed with this one i do not want to step on this but i do want to mention that he was very very impressed with the cigar as i was and this is gonna this is actually gonna lend into our first topical point here in just a second now unfortunately Unfortunately, I smoked so many of these that I didn't have any in the Vitola left to send to George, and I couldn't procure any in time for him. Nor could yeah, I you, you burned them all yourself. You yes. burned them all yourself. I, did. I, I, love did. I smoked a ton. I smoked a ton of these cigars, and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, they come in boxes of 10, but it's one of the most unique blends on my list this year. So uh, I wouldn't want to. So for my number five cigar of the year, we have the um, Casa Cuevas. Sangra Nueva Double Perfecto. Right now I'm showing the Robusto, but the Double Perfecto is the yeah. cigar that makes the list. It's an Ecuadorian Cameroon wrapper, so not African Cameroon, but it's an Ecuadorian mm-hmm. Cameroon wrapper. The binder is Honduran Corojo. So right there, two completely just unique tobaccos in itself. The original. Here's the filler. Now this is the kicker. And this cigar was actually blended by the junior member of the Cuevas clan, Alec Cuevas, who burst on the scene wanting to put this together, this 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 project, along with his grandfather and father out of the Las Lavas factory. Again, Dominican Republic making a strong play this year, um, having a number of cigars coming out of the Dominican Republic. But the binder is Honduran Corojo. The filler is Dominican, undisclosed, Nicaraguan, undisclosed, Pennsylvania, Broadleaf. <laughs> And here's the kicker, George, and I'm sure you smelled it as soon as you opened the cellophane. Kentucky Fire Cured Tobacco. Yeah. The filler. So um, I really enjoyed this cigar from the very beginning. Uh, again, I had some nice minerality to it. Shocker, it's kind of being a theme this year. But I really loved the smokiness of that Kentucky Fire Cured. It wasn't overstated, but it was beautiful on the aroma for me. Uh, the flavor is very rich and dense, very peppery. There's a nice nutty quality to it, in my asp- in my opinion. Uh, this cigar sang in a lot of Vitolas, particularly the Robusta, which I enjoyed. But the Double Perfecto made this cigar what it is. I absolutely fantastic sm- smoke put together by again the youngest member out of all the blenders that make my list. Uh, so there's a there's a little teaser for you for the rest of these the rest of these cigars. But I just unbelievable work done uh by alec cuevas uh luis cuevas uh and of course uh the patriarch of the family too that had the las laos factory in the dominican republic what's really notable about the use of fire cured tobacco george i'm sure you're aware of this is that the las laos factory was behind the manufacturing of sam lasia's the lasia black which was 
exactly. one of the first cigars and probably the most underrated of all fire cured tobacco cigars that kind of made its way onto the market a few years ago when it kind of became, I hate using the term fad, but it became a fad after Sam and uh, the uh, Cuevas family put together the Lasia Black. That's when you saw the KFC come from Jura State. You saw the American yes. Pearl come from George Rico and Grand Abano. And you saw a lot of these these cigars come into the market. And Alec throwing paying some nice homage to his family's history with this type of tobacco by throwing just enough into the fill into the filler uh, to really bring this blend forward. And I really, really enjoyed it. And uh and you did too. So uh let's talk about uh, your uh your impressions of this. So so first off, I love the shape. And I love the look of the wrapper. Uh, and I and I was a little, little um, trepidatious. Uh, I was a little concerned that maybe the draw was slightly tight, but it turned out to be perfect. The burn was gorgeous. It had this super delicate little mascara line. It was leathery and rich. Uh, I, I think what I wrote you was something like um, what it, it, I, I was thinking it's like a tray, and again, this goes to the fire cure. It was like a tray of candied pecans warming in the oven. Mm -hmm. It had that aroma. What I think is a masterpiece about this cigar is that effectively they disguised the fire cured because normally fire cured is a tobacco that doesn't play nice with others. It dominates everybody on the playground. It says, give me the ball, I'm going to the hoop. Uh, it, it's it's not it, it it's it's a solo actor in many many respects, and I believe that that's the lesson that uh, some of the other people that you just named failed to learn. Sam's cigar, uh, uh, for for reasons that had nothing to do with the cigar, faded away and just sort of dropped out of everybody's memory. But it was a it was a, an, an admirable blending job in every respect. Right. So. This cigar, I think I said it's, uh, uh, you know, on the lip, the, the butteriness was so amazing. It was cookie-like, and I said, at the same time, there are tea notes. And, the, and by the time I was in the, 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 towards the end of the middle third, I was looking at it going creamy, uh, and, I, and I was just making notes, you know, like, like flavor notes and going, these are all the things I, and so I, I just crossed through them, and I wrote, I love this cigar. I, I flat out, it's. It was a stately progress from how it began. You know, it just kept improving. It kept my interest. Uh, and so uh, at the end, I said, it's nuts, leather, and cream. It's magic. So if you have those things in a cigar, I'm all in. I, it's like, I, I, it's what I want. So it, 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 the, the, it perfectly encapsulates the best part of what we call barnyard flavors in a cigar. Yeah, I I just absolutely adore this blend. Uh, it was a cigar last year that when it came onto the market that just absolutely captured my attention. I particularly like the mm -hmm. double perfecto size, the Robusta. I'm also a fan of, as I mentioned earlier to you today when we were chatting off air. Um, and so that's what, that's the one I was able to get for you. And I'm uh, I'm excited to announce that I was able a little late. I was a little too late. I was able to procure uh, some more double perfectos, and you will be getting some because I want you to taste the the actual. Oh, I definitely want to smoke that. Yeah, for sure. I figured you would like to. So, um, so those, uh, that is the number five cigar of the year. So again, just to kind of recap what we've done so far, 
The number 10 cigar of the year was the Christoph uh, Cigars Guardrail Robusto. Uh, number nine was the United Toro Maduro. Number eight was the HVC Selection. Number one, Natural Podorosos. The um, number seven, Quesada Cigars, Casa Magna Liga F Toro. Number six, Espinosa Knuckle Sandwich, Connecticut Short Churchill. And this last cigar that we discussed, which was the Casa Cueva Sangre Nueva Double Perfecto, uh, which included some Kentucky Fire Cured Tobacco in the filler. So uh, great job so far by everyone that's manufactured cigars on this list. Very Dominican heavy this year for me so far. Yes. You know, the number five, mm-hmm. the number seven, the number uh, eight, or excuse me, the number nine and the number 10 are all manufactured in the Dominican Republic. The lone standouts, of course, are Rainier Lorenzo's Selection number one and the Espinosa's Knuckle Sandwich, Connecticut, uh, at number six, coming in with Nicaragua. So, um, no, we're going to get to three, uh, two, uh, three and four. Uh, so, George, I'm going to ask you to put four down and light up number two to join me as we go into the next topical point. Um, and I'll let you light up that cigar here. Uh, and while we're doing that, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to do a sponsored segment of. So okay. the, uh, the next sponsored segment, of course, is um, uh, brought to you by Asylum Cigars. And it's a uh, refuge can be more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. So some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So, George, you were on the show last year, and I know that you participated in this segment before, but what I really like is to talk about is in the last year, you know, you've uh, you've you've probably mm-hmm. had several dozen, if not hundreds of these moments in your smoking career. But um, I re- I'm remembering a story you actually told about some punch Rothschilds with an old boss of yours who loved it so much that he burned off like half his mustache literally on a relight. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But when you go back to that cigar, you go back to that 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 experience and you remember, man, what it smoked like, what it felt like. And it was just a soul lone experience. The last year, George, is there are there any moments that you wish to share that were kind of reflect that kind of description of a moment smoking a cigar? You know, that's a good question. Um there are two or three things that uh, uh, stand out in in terms of uh, like stopping me from my uh, regular evaluation and, and 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 typical cigar rotation. One was smoking uh, a Fuente Fuente Opus X, the Oscuro, the Oro, you know, the the, the Maduro wrapper in, in that cigar. Uh, wow, what a crazy ride that was. That was such a distinct departure from everything that people could define as the typical Opus experience. And I just remember sitting there going, man, I got to get back to the farm. I got to spend some time with Carlito. Uh, because this is something else. Uh, I'm really, really impressed. Um, Another another thing now, this is maybe recency bias in a way, but um, 
you know, because we've talked about this before, that I have a, a tremendous respect and friendship and care a lot about uh, Lito Gomez and La Flor Dominicana. And I have, you know, friends in the business that I, uh, I urged to embrace Lito back in the day when, uh, you know, that we were going through the boom issues and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so proud of, of all the things that he's accomplished, but, you know, he made a cigar for uh, a, a while, uh, 20 over, you know, 20 years ago, I guess, uh, uh, which we used to say it's the, it's the cigar that takes longer to say than to smoke. It was the La Flor Dominicana Especial Oscuro Natural, right? It was incredible. And this is a cigar that came onto the scene when Lito had already... Um, made his bones is the wrong way to say it, but had created an identity around the Lijero and double Lijero cigars. And people thought, oh, Lito makes kick-ass strong cigars and everything else. And the uh, Especial Oscuro Natural, which was essentially like a, a an, an overweight Lonsdale. It wasn't really a Churchill, had beautiful pigtail and everything. These were glorious cigars. And they were, they were, they were, they were elegant and and um, uh, rich and rewarding at, 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 without having any of the knockout power that that people had come to expect from the floor. Not to say that it's a mild cigar because it isn't, but it just had this refinement. It was such a magic cigar. And then I think just because of the the shape and again the obesity epidemic in cigars. It kind of faded away, and most LaFleur uh, people don't know it, it ever existed. And retailers just, you know, like, look, retailers are creatures of, of, of um, habit. And they, they, they respond to what people are asking for, you know, over and over and over again, as opposed to sticking to, uh, I want to keep teaching, right? So, so, in other words, not everybody has this sort of, soapbox that they get on and 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 try and lead their customers in a way a lot of them tend to follow that's not an indictment about the industry because you have to be a contrarian in the first place to be in the cigar business but uh there's a there's a there's a relaxed attitude which is oh my customers come to me and they tell me what they like and i put it on the shelf and sell and that's my business mm -hmm. so the la flor dominicana especial oscuro natural sort of faded from everybody's imagination tony gomez was walking the halls of uh, congress here in washington with a friend of mine and he reminded him he, he talked to tony and he said do you think you could find out if there are any cigars uh in the in the factory that that are you know nobody's paying attention to and uh, Tony goes, well, I don't think there's any there, but I'll make some for you. And lo and behold, uh, you know, six months later, maybe eight months, the cigars arrive at Capitol in Bethesda. And by God, they are so good. They're stunning. Nice. And I was just running around to everybody going, remember this cigar? And they're like, yeah, but you know, why? why how come they went away? And, and people fell in love with them all over again. It's just uh I'm sorry. It's the simplest way to say it. I know this is like weak, but they're just great cigars. And and I when I when I saw the box and I pulled out one of the first cigars and I lit it up, I was like, oh, there it is. Uh, you know, it's just like a 
you know, it's like putting a blanket around your shoulders when you're cold. It was phenomenal. I, I, I just, I can't say enough about that cigar. And so, you know, look, that's the kind of thing that cigar fans live for, right? Since somebody says, oh, I remember you, I love this cigar. And all of a sudden the cigar maker goes, oh, yeah, you like it that much? I'll make them for you. And you get them. And they're everything that you remember and, and more because they're back. So mm -hmm. that's the greatest experience, man. Yeah, absolutely. So that was our Asylum Moment brought to you by Asylum Cigars. You know, refuge is more than just a physical place. It could be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections are found in our own personal asylum. So uh, moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So getting back to the number five cigar of the year, George, you know, again, you smoked the Robusto. Mm -hmm. I just smoked it earlier tonight as well. The, the, the specific <clears throat> Vitola that made the list is the Double Perfecto, which I think you're going to love. Yeah. Um, but the blend stands apart, I think, in its own unique characteristic. Like I mentioned, if you talk about my number nine cigar and my number five cigar, in terms of complexity, they are on opposite ends mm -hmm. of the spectrum. Still dynamite cigars. And again, there's a straight, there's your, there's time for that straightforward smoke that just sings to, you know, just, that just sticks out. And there's times when you want this, man, this is the roller coaster ride of flavor. And, but Vitolas are important. And this is why it's the number one rule in my criteria is that cigars on this list are very Vitola specific. And I think it's very important because I have smoked cigars where I have enjoyed Vitolas. And I've hated other ones. Yeah. Uh, my in the same line you're saying. In the same line. In the so, same line. From from so, the same maker, the same blend. So I'll harken back to your past here. I know it this this particular blend came out. This specifically release came back came out after your time with Davidoff. But Davidoff is notorious for this with me. They make some of my favorite cigars and my favorite blends. But it depends on the Vitola. I'm a huge Vitola snob when it comes to Davidoff cigars. And the the Davidoff Yamasa is of no exception with this. I enjoy all of the Vitolas save one. Their Torpedo, I cannot get behind. I just don't enjoy it. There's no other way to say it. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. Everything else is phenomenal. I fucking love that blend. I just cannot get behind the Torpedo. It just doesn't do it for me in so many ways and I, I i just can't i can't get past it i just can't and i've revisited it several times so it's not like oh you got the bad one in the batch kind of thing which i don't yeah. i haven't really had that experience with davidoff cigars in general it just doesn't work for me it just doesn't and yeah. you know um a point of fact you know you know my number one cigar of the year a couple of years ago the christoph vengeance perfecto love that cigar and the Toro, which is one of Coop's favorites, you know, um, you know, I it's not as stark contrast like the Yamasa example that I just gave a second ago, but it's it 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 definitely mm -hmm. is a contrast. I didn't like I didn't really like it in the Toro as much. Um, so and in Coop dead. So I mean, to say nothing of that, I mean, we certainly didn't disagree on the blend, but the um, but th this is very this is a very important topic, and I wanted you to weigh weigh in on it. Uh, how how are you? How do you view Vitolas when it comes to the same line? Well, mostly you've already said it. it it's 
I, I think what you need to recognize is that most blends, like, like just begin with the idea of, say, something classic like a Monte Cristo Cuban. That cigar was built around the Monte Cristo number one, which was a classic Lonsdale, right? Six and a half, 42. That's where the formula is derived. That's the definitive expression. Now, people, the Monte Cristo number two, their big torpedo has become uh, iconic in the world of cigars and people recognize the, the flavor. But, the, but that particular shape delivers a different flavor experience that is still related to the number one, but uh, uh, it, it's distinctly uh, meatier, let's say. So the thing is that almost everybody that blends cigars has a size that they prefer, right? Whether it's a Corona, a Lonsdale, a Robusto, a Toro, whatever. I'm pretty sure that the when Guy was blending that knuckle sandwich that you picked that was there, he was making that short Churchill. That's what he wanted. In other words, that size is what he was dreaming was going to be. And everything else that's made around it is a variation on a theme. For the most part, um, when you're making Parejos as opposed to uh, uh, Figurados, you can adapt the blend successfully so that the flavor remains recognizably in this family, in this house style, uh, but it has individual characteristics that, that are tweaks. You use Davidoff as a great example with the, 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 the Yamasa tobacco. Um, In the history of Davidoff, in each blend, whether it was the Siri Meal back in the day or the original, uh, what became the Signature Series or the Grand Cru, which was the, you know, the, their version of the Chateau, everybody always had a favorite in it. They would say, oh, we have to smoke the, the 3000 in the, uh, in the Siri Meal or uh, the Grand Cru number four is the perfect version of Grand Cru. It, it, it's, it's, it's not surprising. What is surprising is that in the marketplace, people can go, oh, well, the best version of that blend is this. And the guy right next to him says, you don't know what you're talking about. The best version right. is this X, whether it's a bigger yeah. ring gauge or a smaller ring gauge or a shorter cigar, whatever. Proportion has everything to do with it. You have to have a great level of skill as a cigar maker to understand when somebody is giving you your leaves to make a cigar and go, oh, this is not going to work the way I make a Corona or a Robusto. I have to do something different with this. I have to put together a different, slightly different proportion of the leaves in order for it to deliver an experience that will be recognizably within this house style. So, of course, what that means is people who respond to different elements of the flavor. So, like, I, I guarantee you I could find without too much trouble somebody that says that the best Yamasa is the torpedo. Right. Right. 100%. In other words, because for them, 
what that combination, what that shape delivers. And torpedoes are, you know, that's it. Figure autos in general are always designed to affect your smoking experience. A Pareo is just like, it's straightforward. You know, it's a, it's a straight-sided cigar. You cut it, you light it, you smoke, and that's it. There it is. But a Figurato is specifically designed to take you on a ride through the taste that that combination of tobaccos do. And each stage of it is designed to show off something different, whether it's the wrapper or the filler or the construction. Absolutely. Does that answer your question? Or it did sure I, does. Did yeah. I no, 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 no. And so let's go, let's jump topics here on this, uh, the similar, in the similar vein, in the similar space. We talk about cigars that go through a reblending, right? So this can be, mm. this can oftentimes be a very polarizing and frustrating topic, especially when they develop a loyal fan base. Now, there's a number of reasons why yeah. a cigar can go into reblending. One, it doesn't move, right? They got to tweak it. Something's got to change. They want to keep yeah. it on the marketplace, but they got to yeah. make some kind of change. Others, their uh, tobacco is not available. A factory goes under, or a factory move mm-hmm. is necessary. That can change. That can change it. I, I George, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm gonna be. I'm gonna die on this fucking hill tonight. When I when I hear blenders. And people in this industry talk about moving a cigar's production from one factory to another and saying that nothing changed and it's the same cigar. It's, it's not lie. the same. It's a fucking lie. It it's a lie. There's no care. there's it's not possible. Yeah. It's, I don't care if the if the if the uh, I don't care if the factories are next door to each other and they all know the same farmers. The second factory is not going to be able to produce what the first factory did. They can make their version of it, and it can be related, but it is impossible to reproduce. And anybody who tells you that they've done it successfully is either bullshitting themselves or you. thousand percent. Now, that's not what happened with the number nine cigar of the year. United Cigars did do a reblend. They were very forthcoming about it. It was a reblend, and then they changed the not only the blend, but they also changed the style of cigar. They went from a box press to a parejo. They were very, they were very forthcoming and very candid. They were not selling the bullshit, as George and I just talked about. And uh, and I liked both, like again, but they were very two different, very smoking, different smoking experiences. They have to be. Um, but yeah, that that frustrates me to no end. Um, and it, it, it it's it, it's well, when it's, people it, won't acknowledge it, you mean it, 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 yeah. moving moving occasionally is something that you just have to deal with you have it, to, it yeah. happens that's a byproduct you know, it, so forget it it's a fact of life for a variety of reasons but the the manufacturer and all of their people downstream in other words the importer the distributors the retailers everybody has to acknowledge that mm-hmm. if they if they're trying to tell you otherwise they're trying to hoodwink yeah. Yeah. And, and to point of fact, we talked a lot about Espinosa cigars earlier tonight. And, and, and again, they're, they're not an example of this bullshit uh, because they don't, they, they, they're very forthcoming about which factory it's coming out of. They have the Lazona, Eric's got his factory, Lazona, and he works very closely with AJ and has cigars produced out of a yeah. couple of his factories, including San Latano. And, but you can't, Hector and Eric cannot take a knuckle sandwich that's made in San Latano and make an identical cigar out of Lazona. It's just not possible. 
Mm -hmm. Like you said, it could be related. It can be similar. It can can have similar qualities. It can have even a similar signature, but it's a different cigar every time. Now that's not, again, that's not what they're doing. Again, that's not what, what the folks at United did with my number nine cigar of the year. These are people who are forthcoming, but there are people in this industry that manufacture cigars and have changed factories. Again, it's a byproduct of this industry. Factories closed down. Tobacco is not available. They're, they are an agreement ends, right? And they're forced cigars to make move move. countries. Yeah. Cigars, cigars move, move countries. Come right. on. Right. Ca- Casa Magna is an example of this. You know, they, they moved, they moved production from Honduras or from, excuse me, from Nicaragua to back Nicaragua. home to the Dominican Republic. Republic. And, yes. you know, I will say this, the call, the, the original Casa Magna, the Colorado is smoking better than it ever has. And I enjoyed that cigar when it was first. It's smoking better than it ever has before. So, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's different. And um, yeah, yeah, and again, all the That's examples the that I've given about that Macanudo, yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's not even the same tobacco. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, come on, it's it's it, the transformation was com- going from Jamaica to the Dominican Republic, and the and the things that happened. Yes, the wrapper was the same because that was always under the Coleman's control, but the the transition and the cigars. I mean, it, it was. Uh, uh, you know, it was genius. And the thing is that, that the, the remarkable thing is that Macanudo became the brand powerhouse that they did by trading on the fact that Menendez and Garcia had left the Canary Islands and were manufacturing in the Dominican Republic in the early days and they were not ready, they were not capable, they didn't have the quality control established and the cigars were suffering wildly in quality. In other words, the Monte Cristo, Monte Cruz in those days is what you were buying. The Monte Cruz that was coming from the Dominican Republic was not up to the standards of what they had perfected in the Canary Islands. And the Macanudo salesman went around and just went to the stores and flipped over the box and said, see, these are made in the Dominican Republic. You don't want them. Buy our cigar from Jamaica. And then, of course, years later, they're like, oh, we're moving from Jamaica to the Dominican Republic. But don't worry that things will be the same and that cigars will taste the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Nice little controversial topics to throw into the mix here. So I do want to get mm-hmm. back to our top 10. So we're, we're on to, mm-hmm. we're into the top five now. So to round out the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the disclosed top 10 cigars so far, our number 10 cigar of the year on LS Fumar takes for 2023 was the Christoph cigars guardrail Robusto. Number nine was the United Toro Maduro. Uh, number eight was the HVC Selection Number One Natural Porterosos. Uh, the number seven cigar was the cost was the Sada Cigar Manufactured Casa Magna Liga F Natura Vitola. Number six was the Espinosa Knuckle Sandwich Connecticut Shade, or excuse me, Connecticut Short Churchill. Number five, Connecticut Short Churchill. Yeah, Connecticut. Uh, the number five was the Casa Cueva Sangre Nueva Double Perfecto. Now again, we smoked the Robusto. Um, and, and, yes. and I will get you the double perfecto, George, so you can taste the, the cigar that I actually had at this spot. Um, um, this so far, the number five cigar was so far is the, is the, the bell of the ball for you. If, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my God, it is absolutely. I'm telling you, if everything gets better from there, we're in for a hell of a ride. Now I will say that I'm smoking number two now and boy, oh boy, am I loving this cigar. 
Uh, I don't want to. Let's not jump ahead to number two. Keep going. We're on number four. Yeah, number four. So without further ado, the number four cigar of the year for 2023 for LLC for takes is the Alec Bradley Double Broadleaf Grand Corona. This is a Honduran Broadleaf. Mm-hmm. Honduran Broadleaf wrapper. Honduran Broadleaf and Nicaraguan Double Binder. Filler is Honduran and Nicaraguan manufactured in Honduras. So the first appearance of a Honduran cigar in my top 10 this year manufactured at uh, tobaccos de Oriente. Uh, And this, this, this cigar was a cigar that I was first given at the trade show, not this past year, but the year before this was prior to Scandinavian tobaccos acquisition of Alec Bradley. Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, and it doesn't matter. I've had both iterations of it. Um, again, it hasn't changed production. So we were just talking about this topic. It's still manufactured under the ownership has just changed um, of the brand. Um, and this cigar is sensational. I really enjoy the Honduran Broadleaf expression. They're trying to grow. Companies have been trying to procure Broadleaf in different veins, Pennsylvania, Honduras now, there's Nicaraguan broadleaf cigars on the market now. They're trying to capture Connecticut broadleaf. And I'm not saying this does. I'm not saying it at all. But what this cigar encapsulates and captures to me is a completely different blend and a completely different expression of what broadleaf is interpreted to be. It's not super oily. It's not that earthy, rich chocolate bar that you get out of Connecticut <clears throat> Broadleaf cigars. It is so different from that in a very real, but amazing way. I love the way that the flavors melt together. I love that there's some creaminess to it. Some wonderful use of baking spices in the blend. It is just sensationally put together. And this specific, Vitola, the grand Corona, um, which George, you might, probably correct me it's 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 like a short churchill is really what it is it's it's you know mm-hmm. the, the, it's mm-hmm. just under seven but a skinny a skinny churchill skinny, it's a yeah, little skinny. thinner than the classic churchill. yeah exactly so i absolutely adore this cigar i enjoy it in this blend i did like the robusta variation of it but i smoked more grand coronas over the past year than any other vitola in this blend and it is sensational i really enjoyed it so george i want uh Again, you smoked it just a few moments ago. Um, what were your thoughts that you came from my number four cigar of the year? All right, so I said it was dark and rustic. I loved it. The cold draw was a little quiet, so I didn't know exactly what I was going to get. But when I started smoking the flavors, I was like, wow, this cigar is really well-rested. It's mellow. That was the very accomplished blend. Uh, I, I, I would say it was well-behaved. It's a medium-body cigar, but it has this wild sort of dark chocolate, powdery finish. The retro is subtle and soft, but still spicy. And that's a hard trick to do. Usually it's one or the other. It's soft and gentle and delicate, and you don't really, you know, it's, 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 it's almost... Um, uh, what's the right word for it? Um, it's talc-like, and it and it and it's not it's not dramatically taking your uh, uh, your your sense of flavors in a different direction. 
or if super pipe uh, spicy and uh, peppery and it's the rake going through your sinuses um, and it, it, it tells you something else about the tobacco. But this cigar is balanced. It's well, I, look, whatever they're doing, it's 100% right. The, the way that they're, that, that clearly they're having success with the crops because that is not new tobacco. That is a uh, that is a, a, a balanced aged product that has been well rested, and boy oh boy, I, you know, if you can find them on the shelf at your local retailer, go grab them now. Yeah. Now there is one thing I will say about this particular Vitola, uh, that you can call it a warning. I'm just telling you to how to enjoy the cigar. I don't really try to dictate how people should enjoy a cigar or not. But I will tell you in this particular Vitola, the Grand Corona, and it doesn't do it in other Vitolas. We're talking about Vitola specifics. I enjoyed the other cigars yeah. immensely, and I could smoke it at a regulated place. The first couple Grand Coronas that I smoked, I smoked them on the re- uh, the recommendation of Ben Lee, who's a member of the Cigar Coop Coalition, and Aaron Nielsen as well of the Cigar Coop Coalition. Mm-hmm. And the first couple that I smoked, I really enjoyed like 95% of the cigar, but it got a little hot and accurate towards the end and i think it's because i was enjoying the cigar too much and i was puffing away on this bad boy so what i did from that point forward is i really slowed my smoking down and that made the that made this went this went from a 98 percent cigar enjoyment level to 100 percent for me because it mm-hmm. did not get hot towards the end i was able to smoke it even further down that acridness didn't appear and it made for a sensational experience in my opinion so that's my that's my advice. If you're going to pick up these Grand Coronas, don't smoke them if you're in a hurry. I know there's a tendency to do that when you're enjoying a cigar. Smoke it quickly. Enjoy the experience, man. Slow that down. Really savor mm-hmm. every puff. And I promise you, you'll thank me later. It's a fantastic blend and a fantastic cigar. So uh, very, very, very deserving of the number four spot that it's given. So now we're breaking into the top three, George. And this is, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to take a break before we get to, or uh, before we get, or excuse me, we're going to do the the, uh, the number two cigar here in just a moment. And then we're going to take a break with one last segment topic before, and while we smoke the number one cigar of the year. Um, Great. Together. Um, but this cigar um, is, um, is, be, is, is, was blended by, uh, one of my favorite up-and-coming blenders. I think in a few years, we're going to be talking about this gentleman in with the same reverence that we talk about some of the great blenders today, like specifically like the Pete Johnsons, the, mm-hmm. um, you know, John Hubers, the Jonathan Drews, the Nick Melillos, the Steve Sakas, and this gentleman is an absolute just keeps for me keeps putting banger after banger outside of these uh, outside of you know his he's got uh, an amazing factory that he that he uh, that he owns and and blends out of and everything, and he's got three very very successful companies that are his own and he manufactures cigars for a fourth, 
and uh, he just does an incredible job. And that blender's name, of course, is James Brown. We talked about him earlier. And the number three cigar of 2023 for LSU Fumar takes is the Black Label Trading Company Deliverance Porcelain Robusto. This is a Connecticut shade wrapped cigar, Nicaraguan Habano binder, Nicaraguan undisclosed in the filler, along with Pennsylvania tobacco in the filler as well. Uh, this is not Grandpa's Connecticut. You've heard that expression before. No. This packs a yeah. punch. It's got the creaminess, but it is going to deliver all the flavor and then some. The Retro Hill, if you're not ready for it, gear up. It is gonna mm-hmm. light your. It is gonna light your aroma senses on fire. It is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really, really love this cigar from the get go. Um, I know that Coop was actually predicting this would be my number one cigar of the year, so he missed it. Um, but this does come in at number. But three. I can understand why. Yeah, he came in at number four with this cigar, so he thinks very highly of this cigar as well. So this made his top thirty in a very similar spot too. So um, a really, really fantastic cigar. Um, I've, I absolutely think the world of James Brown, I think he's incredibly talented. He like Hector hits my palate on a number of levels with most of his creations. And, and this cigar is no different. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed this. You smoked this prior to tonight, George, I think it might've been one of the first Mm -hmm. cigars that you smoked. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your thoughts here. Well, first of all, it was a beautiful shape and it was gorgeous construction. The triple seam cap with the little top knot, absolutely beautiful. And the cold draw, the moment that I clipped it, I was like, oh, I can't wait to light this cigar. It burned beautiful, but I loved it. It started with this graham crackery sort of uh, faded baking spices, you know, a little bit off. Uh, and, but but the, the flavors were shading into bright, but on the soft side, right? So you know that sounds like a contradiction, but they were they were they were out there, but but in a mellow and refined fashion. Uh, the retrohale was was uh, soft and uh, 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 but but giving me all. I mean, it the retrohale opens up all of these aspects of the tobacco that you don't taste just smoking it and uh it was a little bit more peppery than i expected based on what the cold draw was giving me but by god it was wild i was loving it now i will say that it didn't build as much strength as i expected it was going to when i was in the middle third of the cigar and i kept um, you know, like I, I, I knew that the construction, what the retro was telling me about the age of the tobacco and the fermentation and everything. I knew something else was coming. I was just sort of like, wait, when is this going to happen? And 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 there was some earthiness that came in, and then all of a sudden, some white pepper uh, that 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 really surprised me. In other words, it, it's like boom, the 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 baking spices just got pumped up. And I don't know, somewhere past the halfway point in the cigar, the power just unfolded and the cigar opened up and it kept going. And this is one of those cigars. I mean, the finish went on for days. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to stop smoking this cigar. Now, I think that I gave it uh, an 89 and I wanted to uh, I, I sort of wanted to tease it up in retrospect, because as I was typing my notes to you, 
I was thinking to myself how excellent that cigar was. And uh, I, I, I didn't change it because I was being honest to the notes that I, I prepared, you know, as, as I was smoking. But, um, you know, it's impossible not to make comparisons as you go forward. That cigar is a shining star. It is absolutely lovely. It is, uh, it, it's just this uh, gentle, if I can use that word, it's this gentle explosion of flavors that 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 roll out and it and it built in all the right ways. Like I said, in the middle, I was like, okay, when's the next act? What's happening? What's going to go on? But man, when it arrived, I was like, whoa! And I just sat back and said, man, I don't want this cigar to end. Yeah, I what I particularly noted in your notes too, and I got this on the final third too, is there's a unique note that came in for me and my smoking experience, and you picked up a similar flavor profile, which was a leather note, which is yeah. usually it, very interesting when you think about Connecticut shade cigars. I really think not you don't associate it. Yeah, you don't you really don't associate, associate that. That's not an expected reaction. Yeah. And it kind of create you you use the term creep in and it does. It kind of creeps yeah. in on you in the final third. And I was like, I was like, man, George hit my, my, my sentiments exactly on this. I really like how the complexity continues to build with it. You know, a lot of, uh, I think of, I think some of some critics of James's work is that he's all power all the time. And I think the porcelain specifically shows you, well, yeah, it can have some power, but it can have some delicacy and complexity as well to it. But, and I think he's ever. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. Yeah. Porcelain is a great description for this cigar because you would, you know, you think it's fragile, but but it's actually, uh, uh, it's got spine, it's got character, it's 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 a thing of beauty. I I am telling you, this guy's just going to continue. If he keeps up this kind of work, people are going to be like, how did this happen? Where did this guy come from? Where did he learn this? Because it's damn fine cigar making. That you you. Um, you got this in exactly the right spot. Yeah, I I, I just adore the cigar. I think it's fantastic. I, I think, I mean, this is so to speaking to my criteria about how non-number ones can come back on the list. I think if he mm -hmm. continues to build this, 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 this cigar and expands it into different Vitolas, it's got a real shot at appearing on the list. You're going to see him. You're going to see him at the top of the chart. Yeah, it's fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so, um, so th though without further ado, we're going to go into our number two cigar of the year, George, which I am finishing up, and you're smoking as well. Uh, this is a cigar that came out of the look at this uh, ash. Yeah, it's sensational. The okay. construction on the impeccable, I mean, the this, flavors and it's really something. Yeah. Go ahead. Hey, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. I, I, this cigar came onto the market last year with a with an absolute bang, and I, I adored it from the beginning. I loved it from the beginning. It's got a beautiful story behind it, um, about about the artwork behind it, which I'll get into in just a second when you see the label. Um, and this is manufactured by a cigar maker who's really burst onto the scene in the last few years with uh with a fury and has uh been you know gotten considerable accolades he has a he manufactured a cigar that appeared in the cigar aficionado top 25 uh list this year 
He's he's made cigars that get considerably high ratings from Cigar Aficionado and other um, other uh, lists of my colleagues in cigar media. So I uh, want to talk about my number two cigar of the year now. And that, of course, is the uh, Luciano Cigars Maria Lucia or Maria Lucia. Uh, this is specifically the original release, which has now been named the Magnum. He's since released different Vitolas. Uh, and it's this is a five and a half, excuse me, five and a quarter by fifty four box press, um, just a beautiful cigar. And the wrapper uh, is Connecticut Broadleaf. The binder is a double binder, Sumatran Ecuadorian HBN ninety two Ecuadorian. Fillers are from the Nicar from Nicaragua, Dominican, and here's the kicker, George, Peru. Mm -hmm. Manufactured in Nicaragua, so now we have we have two straight cigars that are manufactured in Nicaragua, catching up to the Dominican, uh, the Dominican uh, manufactured cigars on this list, and it's manufactured at the newly opened Luciano Cigars SA uh, factory in Nicaragua. So, um, so this cigar um, again was probably the favorite in the going into the club in the clubhouse. From the very beginning, I smoked so many of these cigars at the beginning of last year um, and um, was just absolutely in love with it. Um, and the story behind it, this is a beautiful box. Too. I have the box right here as well. So the artwork on this has a very unique story as well. Um, Luciano is a family man. He has a daughter that uh, had a dream one day, and she's an, also an artist. This is actually her painting. The woman on here is the painting. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And she's very talented. And as the story goes, she had never, um, fortunately, uh, uh, Luciano's parents, you know, mother had died very, very young. So her, his, his children never knew their grandmother. Right. And, um, and so he had never, and she had never seen any pictures of her or anything like that, but she had a dream of a woman. And when she woke up the next day, she did a painting. She did this painting. And I, I believe she was in her early teens. So again, speaks to her talent as an artist. Um, and this painting is, a, so Luciana dug out a picture of his mother and uh, the resemblance of this painting, mm -hmm. which was the woman in this, in his daughter's dream and the mm -hmm. resemblance of his mother in real life is, uh, is absolutely outstanding. So a really cool story behind it too. Uh, and the cigar uh, is, uh, is 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 unparalleled in that aspect. So I again, I really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, it was kind of the leader in the clubhouse going into this year's list, um, and it ends up at the number two spot, and rightfully so. It's a cigar I continue to enjoy, um, and um, am you know really, really uh, very very pleased with where it ended up on this list, considering how how much I really enjoy and continue to enjoy it. So you smoked it, George. You're smoking. You're finishing it up right now. We're going to get on to the number one cigar here yeah. in a bit, but let's hear let's hear your thoughts. Well, first of all, obviously, I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm, I'm uh, very impressed with the uh, with the construction. Uh, uh, th look, this is a a, a This wrapper leaf is absolutely gorgeous. This the way that it's matte, uh, and you can see the grain, the all the characteristics of the tobacco as a result of the trunk rest. But but I don't know whether you can see. Look look how white the ash is on on mine. It's it's glorious, 
And it's an effortless smoke, which is something that I sort of prize. I, I don't like to have to fight with the cigar. I don't want to. I don't want a tight draw. I don't want toughness. This thing is like it practically smokes itself. And I will say this: the mouthfeel of the of the smoke is ethereal. It is extremely light, but at the same time, it has this very distinct. I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I, I, I guarantee this is not a note that you got out of it, but you know what this is like? The flavor of this cigar that I'm getting right now is like the aftertaste after you've been eating the chocolate wafer portion of an Oreo cookie. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's so, it's so much fun. There's so much going on. I mean, literally, I, I, I'm feeling these different uh, flavors come across my, I mean, I'm, I just, the finish is already, it, 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 it's, uh, uh, I, I, the retro is done, and I'm, but I can still taste what the tobacco is doing to my palate. It's quite a trick. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I can see why you would just keep. Now, let me ask you a question. When you first smoke this cigar in, uh, uh, was it in 23 or was it in 22? 22 at the PCA trade show in 22. Um, so that was Luciano was still working with John Huber at uh, at Crown. Correct. Cats. Correct. Yes. So, yes, it was. Uh, so the, the cigar, the tobacco, Pichardo, correct. The, the cigar. Exactly. The cigar, the project, everything. All of that was from there. It is now in another place. This is back to our conversation earlier. Correct. In your mind, the expression of this cigar, the way that it's smoking, how it's performing, what it's doing is the same as what your original experience was. So, again, I will stand by my comments from earlier. The cigar changed. Um, I have so candidly. That's what I, I wanted you to say. Yeah, candidly, I smoked more of the Tabaculera Pichardo uh, uh, um than you, did, addition, than you did the, uh, than I did of the 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 newest one, uh, right. but I've but I've I've smoked enough of the of the uh, the latest creation in, in its newest factory as well, and I, I mean I stand by I stand by the cigar and the placement on this list. I think it I think it's sensational. Um, uh, it's I'm not arguing. Yeah, it's it is absolutely fantastic. So just and then for for clarity, um. Well, the box that I showed a minute ago is one of the original boxes from Tabacula Pichardo, but what you right. and I are smoking uh, tonight is from, is, is, is from yes. his new factory, correct? So, um, and 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 you enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it. So, like, it's again, yeah. it's I stand by its place on this list, despite these the the, the drastic change it went under, and and uh, the tobacco, the blending, and the construction speak for itself. This exactly. is a fine cigar. There's something. There's a. There's a crazy sweetness and spice uh, at present in this that particularly comes out on the retrohale. That is just oh, wild. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's, it's a. I can see why it, this is like one of these cigars. It's like I can't really figure it out, but I'm. I love smoking it. You just don't want to stop. Oh yeah, I'm smoking it down to the nub every time. Every time the retrohale is the. The bell of the ball. It's it's complex. It's rich. It's savory. It's sweet. The, the I meant I wanted to know there's a yeasty 
There's a yeasty doughy property right? to the retro. Right. That's what I was going to say. There's this kind of like this tacky, and, and when I say tacky, it, it, I mean, that's a negative connotation, but this, when I say tacky, it's a tactile, sticky, right, bready thing on bready doughy. Yeah, yeah. On the, on the retro and in it, in but it just, it balances everything so well. Um, I just, I'm thoroughly enjoy this cigar. The, um, uh, the example that I'll give it this, particular one now this is something that's very unique and i had the uh, i had the unique opportunity to speak with luciano on this note peruvian tobacco is very polarizing and mm-hmm. um in a lot of aspects you know peruvian tobacco uh along with like colombian and some of those other south american tobaccos have a very very brightness to them very citric uh citrus oriented very floral and they can overpower a blend um, sometimes to its benefit, sometimes to a detriment. What I found really interesting about this is that you can't you you get very faint hints of it, but it's so complementary uh, because it's over it's over it's it's overpowered by the other amazing tobaccos in this blend. But I think if the Peruvian was removed, it would be not necessarily a bad cigar or a poor cigar, but it'd be a drastically different one. And like but I said, it would lack the character. Yeah, exactly. And I, like I said, I had the unique opportunity of speaking in depth with the, about this topic with Luciano. He did a great experiment. I was a part of a very great experiment that he showcased uh, about how Peruvian tobacco balanced with some of these other, other tobaccos, how they kind of meld together in a real way that can make for a very positive experience. So I, I really, really enjoyed um, that experience. I really enjoyed the blend, the results. Um, and that is why it's my number two cigar of the year and very deserving of it, in fact. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm finishing up the cigar now. We're going to move on to the number one cigar. As we break for our final Let me tell you time. something. The number one cigar, the number one cigar better bring something really, really, really special. Yeah, the, the pressure's on. To Thanks. put that <laughs> cigar down and stop smoking. Yeah, the pressure's right? on. Yeah, the pressure's mm-hmm. on, George. <laughs> The pressure is sorry. I, I, you know, look, I'm I'm not trying to, to bust your balls or anything. I'm just saying uh, that cigar is a is a, a what a tough act to follow. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah, uh, for sure. So I'm going to open up the number one cigar here, um, peeling off the label as we speak, so that I can uh, yeah uh, right get Pull it off naked. And uh, as we're doing that, we're going to go ahead and take a break and bring up two of our last segments for the night and then last topical discussion. And that of course is our everybody eats segment brought to you by Postania cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postania cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Postania. Everybody eats. So, uh, you know, the holidays have just passed, George, and we've had the, you know, some of us have had the opportunity to break bread with those closest to in our lives. And uh, um, and so I, I always like to I, I have three variations of this question for this segment, but I, I thought it'd be an, a really cool exercise to ask you, what is the favorite dish that you make that you share with other people? Well, in case you can't tell by um, 
some of the descriptions that I offer. I do a lot of baking. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, pies and tarts. I made a galette for this past weekend for my family. Uh, I made uh, a, a chocolate ganache tart for uh, Christmas. Uh, I made uh, a pecan pie for, uh, I actually made two different pies for, uh, for Thanksgiving. And I do, I, you know, do all kinds of things. I do Montreal butter tarts and uh, different things that I, that I really like. But, you know, when I was, uh, when I was sort of reviving, you know, doing bread making and uh, uh, trying out all these things, and, and, and I had started this before COVID. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't one of these people that decided that I had to have a yeast strain for COVID and start making sourdough bread and that kind of bullshit. Uh, but I did ramp up a lot of, I, I tried a lot of different projects during COVID. But prior to that, one of the things that I wanted to do as a result of starting uh, to bake a lot again was that I remembered a dish that I'm pretty sure my grandmother uh, started to make, but that her daughter, my aunt, my mother's sister made for me every time I went to visit her in Louisville. And it was shepherd's pie. And truthfully, it wasn't a shepherd's pie because it was a cottage pie. It was ground beef instead of ground lamb. Uh, but she made a shepherd's pie in a particular way. And I can remember uh, being in the kitchen and going, I want to watch. I want to know. And she'd be like, no, you, you can't do anything in the kitchen. Get, you know, it's my kitchen. I, I do everything the way I want. But I remembered paying very careful attention to how she did it. So I started experimenting with making shepherd's pie. Now, I have to tell you this. I, I, I think I got pretty close to the way she used to make it, the way I remembered it, how much I loved it. And it was uh, it was a joy going through all that. But I, I, I'm telling you now, my family was like, eh, it's shepherd's pie. Who cares? And I'm like, are you guys, you guys are killing me. Right. Like I, this, this dish has magical memories for me. And they're like, yeah, shepherd's pie, who cares? Right. I was like, oh, I was heartbroken. They, 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 the reaction was sort of like, eh, what do you got else? You know, what's, what's next? What are you doing? And so, uh, you know, then I made a beef Wellington, right? So big trick and a lot of work and everything else, blah, blah, blah. But for me, shepherd's pie, it's where my heart is. I love that dish. Nice. I, Shepherd's pie is one of the most, I think, was one of the most underrated peasant dishes of our time. I think mm -hmm. it's so good. Um, you know, I had the I had the opportunity to go to travel to Scotland earlier this year, and um, oh, nice. I people think I'm fucking crazy, but haggis is so goddamn good. It really is. Well, yeah, but it is an acquired taste. Yeah, it's yeah. If you know what's made, just don't ask questions. Just eat it. Right. If you, if you don't know what haggis is, don't 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 Google it. If anyone's don't watching, don't Google it. Don't look it up. Don't ask. Just if you're in Scotland, yeah, just eat it sometime just, when you're in the right place. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't get it down at the local like pub or the you know the mm -hmm. local you know yeah the local pub or something. Your like fake that. Irish um, pub. Yeah, the fake Irish pub. Don't do that. Just go to Scotland. They have it on yep. pretty much every menu. Just. Just try it. I'm telling you, it's 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 fucking insane. It's good. It's good stuff. So, um, ratatouille is another peasant dish that's fantastic. 
uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Shepherd's Pie is in that is in that similar space, and it's uh, man, Shepherd's Pie is fantastic. I've, it's an uh, ultimate comfort food. It's the perfect thing for winter. Uh, it is. It, it's endlessly variable, mm-hmm. uh, but versions of it abound. Um, and, but it's so satisfying. It's so filling. It's so rewarding. Um, so to, emotionally for me, it means a lot. And when I make, you know, listen, nowadays they're like, oh, when are you doing shepherd's pie? I'm like, I'm doing it when I want to do it. You know, the hell with you guys. Cause you're like, oh, shepherd's pie, who cares? Yeah. You know? So, but, but it makes me happy. It's impossible. I, when, every time I think about making shepherd's pie, I get this smile on my face because I'm remembering my aunt and my grandmother. Yeah. My, my dad used to make this dish. He called it hamburger pie. Uh, but it was mm-hmm. so much more than that. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, would put ground chuck mixed with ground brisket mm-hmm. at the bottom of a basically a Dutch oven, and so he would pile yep. on the layers. So he would have, and so he would have um, that, and then a small, very small amount, so not caked in there and not overly rich light bechamel sauce he didn't know it was bechamel he called Mm -hmm. it fucking cheese sauce he called it cheese whiz it was bechamel Mm -hmm. like let's get fancy with this shit it was bechamel very light not too much not too heavy on it not too heavy handed Mm -hmm. mushrooms that have been sauteed uh in a red wine reduction again he just called it wine and just but again my dad wasn't my dad's not a chef but he he made a really high quality dish into a peasant dish it was really good uh, green beans, corn. On top of that was a was a was a was a mushroom gravy essentially. Um, again, mm-hmm. very light coating because he didn't want to oversaturate it. And then on top of that was mm-hmm. mashed potatoes, and it was fucking good. <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. Um, it was yeah, and except those fancy terms that I just said, it was a very much it's very much a peasant dish, and it's just it it's still I still can taste it. I haven't had it in decades. Yes but I can still taste it. And I, it's just, it's, it was so good. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, great. Well, that was our Postania Everybody Eats segment. Moving on to our last uh, sponsored segment of the evening, which is our curveball segment, always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Count them up, everybody. Count them up. Yes. Eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. Can he make it nine years in a row? We'll yeah. find out here in a few a number of days. I have a feeling that it's probably mm-hmm. going to be nine years in a row in the consensus top three. But here's our curveball segment, George. George, your your history of cigars has long been documented. We've talked about it two years in a row now. You have a storied career, a storied influence on this industry. If you could do it Thank all you. over, if you could do it all over again, but you could pick another industry, another world to lend your genius to, what would it be and why? Well, there's probably a two part answer to that. One, I always wanted to be a cartoonist. I wanted to make animated movies. I used to do storyboards and flip books and stuff like that. I've always been fascinated with animation and I was all in on it. And then I, you know, you, you evolve because when you're doing storytelling like that, 
when you're creating a storyboard for an animation, essentially what you're drawing is a comic strip. So I, I really, I wanted to do that uh, at the time that I was uh, coming up, getting out of school, all of the animation uh, uh, institutions that are around today didn't exist. There was no such thing as computer animation either. Everything was hand-drawn, but uh, there was nobody teaching it. Disney had actually shut down uh, Schoenard, the, the school where they used to teach uh, potential Disney animators. Uh, they had shut that down. There, there were just no roads. I, I mean, I could have left the country to go explore it, like go to London or something like that, but cigars got in the way. Um, and the other thing uh, that, that is a curveball from that, but in a way sort of related because of how successful animation has been in, in this aspect, I, I always thought that advertising would be a great game. You know, but I'm talking about the creative aspect, not the uh, not account management and bullshit like that. I mean, dreaming, creating campaigns, which is so one of the things I did at Cigar Aficionado early on. I I created uh, or art directed, uh, conceived and wrote and uh, uh, supervised almost all the 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 only ads that are for cigars that were in Cigar Aficionado magazine in the in the early years that I didn't have a hand in creating were from General or Consolidated. Mm -hmm. Now, Alcatus and SDG. But they were the only people producing their own work. Everybody else didn't know. I had to explain to them what an advertising budget was and how you put these things together. I put together teams and created campaigns. Nice, nice. I, I was not expecting that, George. Wow, that's cool. Um, what was it like? Was it something from your childhood? Like that? Like were you fascinated from cartoons when you were as a, like a child, or was it something that kind of oh, yeah. in your young adulthood? Okay. Oh no 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 no. Uh -uh. I was I was doing I was drawing all, all my favorite cartoon characters when I was six or seven years old, and I used to, I got in trouble for this because I used to uh, draw uh, cartoon you know comic strips on the walls of my bedroom. Oh wow. Okay. And I went all the way through. Uh, I went all the way through school illustrating, doing caricatures and, and creating comic strips and stuff like that. I, I, but, but I always wanted to make, I always wanted to make animated films. So my, in other words, uh, yeah, I had loves in the, in the, in the comic business, you know, I, I like, I love Pogo and uh, I love crazy cat from back in the day and Popeye, the original Popeye, not the, not the crap that, that was in the newspaper when I was growing up. Um, but I I wanted to be able to make the move. So I, I taught myself, you know, how to make flipbooks so that you could do, you know, you could show an animated sequence. Oh, nice. Nice. Very cool. Well, that was our final sponsored uh, segment of the evening. Dunbart Tobacco and Trust Curveball segment brought to you by Steve Saka and the good folks at Dunbart and Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park. Count them up, everybody. Got eight consecutive years at the consensus top three. Can he make it number nine? We're going to find out in a couple of days here uh, with our good friends over at Half Wheel and the consensus uh, list that they compile together. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see if Steve Sock makes it nine years in a row. So last topic of the evening. George, it's it had been a while, uh, but you actually made your way to the PCA trade show, what used to be IPCPR, which used to be RTDA. You've been RTDA. around for all, all iterations of it. Um, yep. How long had it been since you'd been to a trade show? 
Um, let's see, 2023, pro- probably uh, uh, 13 or 14 years. Oh, wow. So it had been a while. Okay. Yeah, it's a long time. I, there were a couple of opportunities in between where I wanted to go, but it just didn't, uh, you know, like for instance, some, some of the time that I was at Draper, they're like, no, you've got to stay here and, and, and mind the store while we go to the trade show. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're going to do a better job than me of working the trade show. But you know, Hey, that's the way it goes. Yeah. So, I mean, what, I mean, what did you, did you, well, you, you know, you got to realize that I, I'm sorry. What I was going to say is, you know, I went I went to the trade show virtually every year from, uh, uh, let's say, 1975 until, uh, you know, 1990. Well, no, 2003, uh, 2003 uh, when I left Cigar Aficionado. So, I mean, what was the biggest change that you had noticed uh, after a 13-year absence? Well, actually, I noticed some contraction and consolidation. And I noticed uh, that, sadly, there were a number of sizable companies missing, uh, which implies, uh, you know, a a lack of unity amongst the brethren of the industry. We have no business fighting amongst ourselves. Uh, and I also noticed that, and, and this was in a way a good thing in, in, in retrospect, let's say. There were a number of people there who had far more modest booth setups than they had in years past. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And that's not, you know, uh, uh, that's not, it's not a knock. It's uh, not a, uh, it's not a criticism. It's just an observation that uh, I think that the, the, the industry is finally embracing that there are some aspects of the trade show that are changing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, I used to say, I, I'm dragging the, uh, the industry into the 20th century just as we flip over into the 21st. Right. Because, by the way, think about it. In our industry, we celebrate honoring tradition and uh, uh, maintaining uh, uh, standards and, and, and all of that is wonderful. But you we live in a modern world and and we have to do business in a modern way. So there are many aspects of what the trade show um, needed to embrace. And I think in many ways they have done it. But the other thing that I will say is that. I thought the caliber of the event, which was designed for all guests, you know, the equivalent of the old uh, mix and mingle cocktail parties for everybody, exhibitors and and uh, and retailers alike, was woefully inadequate. It was embarrassing. How how, and how so? That's a, that's a that's a. I mean, that's a pretty poignant comment. So, like, how so? It was bullshit. I'm not talking about seminars or anything else, any kind of educational efforts that they were choosing to make. I'm talking about the welcome cocktail party, which is supposed to kick off the opening night of the show. And it was weak. In a a terrible space, inadequately staffed, 
uh, uh, poorly thought out, no play. I mean, it was, there's no aspect of it. Look, listen, M. Shank and Communications, with the, the explosion of Cigar Aficionado, we changed how the trade show looks. And along the way, we became uh, an event company, right? In other words, the, 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 the magic of Cigar Aficionado was bringing all these people together more than once a year. And, and, and it created a community and, 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 and all kinds of creative bursts that came out of that communication. So I think very carefully about what physical space looks like and what you do for the people that you bring together. And that event was not up to speed in, at any level. Gotcha. It was an embarrassment. Um, compared to, well, com- if you feel that strongly about it, George, I'm glad you weren't there for the previous year. Um, <laughs> it was, it was drastically different in a much more positive way. Um, I I thought there was a lot of things about it that I thought could have been better organized. Uh, what I really liked about it was the participation. I think that that was my big takeaway was there were a lot of people there um, compared yeah. to the previous two years uh, where it had been woefully attended, in my opinion. Um, but yes, it, it certainly, I mean, uh, going back to my uh, 2019 trade show, which the the, mm-hmm. the, the opening party was hosted by uh, SDG. And it was specifically mm-hmm. the unveiling of the Cohiba White Label, and that was a uh, mm-hmm. that was kind of in the similar vein well that you we're talking about. Yeah, that was right. in the similar vein you were talking about. I mean, no commentary on the cigar itself, but it was, you know, it, it very much was a spotlighting on that cigar. Again, well attended. Um, you know, a different, a completely different vibe. Um, the space was a, it, in a very similar spot in the Venetian, but they made it different. And uh, they made it an mm-hmm. experience that was uh, uh, something that I haven't experienced up until that point and, and still haven't uh, again. So I, I think I know what you're talking about there. Um, your approach to this trade show, you, you know, you had a crew with you and you, you went around to booths and stuff and you talked to folks. What were, what was, yeah. what was your goal? Uh, and and did, did you achieve it? Um, yeah, for the most part. I, uh, there's some people that I miss seeing and spending time with. Like I was looking forward to seeing you at the show and we didn't really get a chance to, to sit down. I want to correct that this March. Uh, uh, but, uh, uh, what I wanted to do was to make, um, I, I, I wanted to reunite with some people, but I also wanted to gather some people for my money. The trade show's function is about strengthening the bonds of community. So I, I want to cross direct. I want people to meet. I want people to to it, it inspire each other. I want them to learn from each other. I want them to uh, uh, appreciate each other's work and contribution. So uh, I, as I lead around uh, a retailer uh, that I'm that I'm very proud of and and happy to see going. And I meet other people. I want them. I want them to meet their peers. I want them to meet other retailers. I want them to meet manu- meet manufacturers. And so for me, it was uh, it was a joyful reunion. I was so happy to see all those people in that environment again. And I could feel that people were excited to be there, as opposed to oh, it's just another trade show. Because I think that there was uh, uh, enhanced uh, uh, at least 
a greater sense of participation, like we're here and we're here to do some business. Because nobody likes going to a trade show where nobody's writing any orders. Yeah. You know, the reason that you go to a trade show is, it, as an exhibitor, is to write new accounts. You want to see old friends. You want to take care of people. You want to make sure that you're uh, 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 informing them that you appreciate their business and everything else. But at the same time, what you're looking to do is find new faces and turn them into your customers. And if there aren't enough people there to do that, it's not going to happen. Sure. In other words, if the, if the attendance is down, you're not going to get that new. You're not going to get the cream. You're not going to get the uh, the thing that makes the difference between a, a a marvelous trade show and a disaster. So, I mean, your last attendance of the show. I mean, it, the trade show at that point was in its heyday. You know, I mean, oh, I remember. Huge. I remember those Gigantic. trade shows. Yeah, and even in 2018, which was my first trade show, compared it to this past year, the booth sizes, like you said, were diminished. The yeah. um um. Again, from my standpoint, again, comparatively speaking, I never attended those. My first trade show was 18. Had another trade mm-hmm. show in 19. I still was on that high, you know, I was still the new kid on the block. And mm-hmm. uh, but I even I noticed in 19 how the, the attendance was terrible. Uh that last day mm-hmm. was a joke. Uh, the last day and a half was honestly a joke in terms of attendance. Yeah. Um tragic. It just it was real yeah, tragic as a the word du jour, I would think, uh in, to describe 2019. You know, we had a break in 20 and 21. It was just good to have everybody back. The vibe was very positive. Tw- uh, you know, 22 um, was also the same way. And this past year in 23, I will say for three years in a row, the vibe is very positive. People, w- the people who wanted to be there, uh, w- the people who were there wanted to be there. And and they were serious about why they were there. Yeah, exactly. And I think that if that trend continues, I think we'll get back to the heyday that we were once in. I'm really proud of the leadership of PCA um, as they've kind of grown it, uh, grown it since that disaster of 19. Um, The break, I think, served them well in a lot of ways. They were able to do a lot of evaluation. And since then, Mm -hmm. under the guise of Scott Pierce and the the board, as it's changed over the past four years, um, have really, really made a, a valiant effort to uh, take into consideration feedback employ a lot of different things. They've gotten some new blood mm-hmm. on the board. They've included manufacturers. We have Jared Trudeau and Michael Herklotz on the board now. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been really, really fantastic to see the differences that they make from year to year. I'm excited. I'm nervous about the year, about the year turning around so quickly with the trade show in March, but we do have some very prominent companies coming back, notably Drew Estate Altatus mm-hmm. will be back in full force. STG, it yep. sounds like STG will probably be back in a similar way that they were this year, smaller. Um, but but they had a very great contingent there. My my biggest complaint about STG is they really need to get behind some other releases a lot more valiantly and with a lot more fervor. Um, they had probably one of the best releases at this year's trade show. That I didn't smoke. I smoked on the trade show and I was really impressed. And then I smoked it when I got home and I was really, really impressed. And that was the Johnny Tobacconaut, which was the, mm-hmm. the reiteration from Room 101 under Matt Booth. And yeah. and that cigar was fucking good. And like they, we didn't, I didn't even know it was happening until it was there, you know. And I'm, one could argue that I'm pretty plugged into the news of the industry. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm attached to a great partner in cigar. You should group. have known. You should have known, and they should have been looking for you at the booth. 
Yeah. No, the booth experience was fantastic. They uh, Victoria does a great job of, of organizing interviews and time with the people. Um, but we, again, we didn't know about some of those releases, uh, until we got there. Um, and I, and that's, and that doesn't fall in Victoria at all. She's, she's one mm. of the best communicators in the industry, if not the best. Um, but I thought they should have been more excited about the company should have been more excited about Johnny Tobacconon personally. That, and, and again, that might just be bias creeping in, but I, um, I think if they, they figure that out, I think you'll start to see a corner because I think one of the biggest criticisms of STG in recent years or and Forge Cigar Company is a byproduct of that. It's the same company, same ownership rather. Yeah. I think one of the biggest misses that they have, one of the biggest issues that they're dealing with, and this argument's come up a number of times on the show, is why why are Altadista cigars better? You know? And there's a number mm-hmm. of reasons for that. Um, you know, I've had both Altidus cigars on my list. I've had general cigars on my list. Um, and, uh, um, but I would still say that, you know, Altidus' cigars are, are better, uh, you know, than, you know, overall the last few years. Even though, I mean, I had an STG cigar. Now it's Ford cigar. I had a diesel, uh, was my number two cigar of the year two years ago. And it was, it's fucking yeah. fantastic. And it's smoking amazing right now, too. So, um, it's a it's a it's a great cigar, but if they figure that out, I think they can start answering that question and 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 uh, without having to answer that question, the cigars speak for themselves because they manufacture great cigars. I just think that they they do themselves a disservice um, sometimes. You're talking about leadership. You're talking about leadership. That's what they need. Yeah, I think they've got the ambassador thing down. They've got some great people in place. You know, I had John Hockham. Um, uh, who mm-hmm. uh, is a brand ambassador for several of their brands on a few uh, earlier this year. And he's, he's yeah. brilliant. I think Justin Andrews is one of the most talented young leaders in this industry. And he's part of that organization. They've been able to retain Matt Booth. They have, uh, you know, Sean Williams still is the head of the head ambassador for Cohiba. They have great, Cohiba. exactly. they have great people. Um, and, but how they're deploying them. Yeah, I think there's some question marks there for sure. But uh but yeah, I think the I yeah. think you know the cigars speak for themselves. They put out some good stuff and they're they'll get it figured out. I'm confident in that because I, I think they've I think they have the right people and I think when they start leaning on them in the right way, like you said, deploying them better, I think we'll we'll start to see it turn a corner. So for sure. Mm-hmm. Any other comments about the PCA trade show that you noticed that you wanted to share, George? Nothing specific that I can recall right now. I, I, I just it was it was great to be back. Uh, I, I think there were some uh, um, some some really genuine effort uh, to be you know to be fresh and, and energetic and to reach out. Um, so I I I just think uh, that we have to keep understanding that we need to we need to, to to work together and 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 any of the internecine stuff has to stay behind the scenes and and off stage uh uh and we need to march forward as one industry because we have a lot of battles on our hands absolutely all right george well the time is here the time is now we are unveiling the number one cigar yeah. for Ellos fumar takes for 2023 
I am so excited about this moment. I know everybody's been on pins and needles all this time, and they're like wondering what will Bear's number one cigar of the year be? Coop missed it. He thought it was going to be the porcelain. Uh, other people had predicted other cigars, and I think they've missed. I wonder how many people how many people will be caught off guard by this. And I know we're both smoking it now. We'll get your thoughts on it here in a moment. You had great things to say about my number two and number five cigar of the year. Mm-hmm. So let's see how my number one stacks up. So without further ado, here it is. My number one cigar of the year is the Gran Habano 20th Anniversario uh, Edición Limitada. El Sueño, which is their Robusto expression. It's a 5 by 52 Nicaraguan Corojo shade wrapper. Binder is Nicaraguan. Filler is Nicaraguan. And, of course, George Rico Staples, Colombian and Peruvian tobacco in the filler. Mm-hmm. At Honduran manufactured. This is my first Honduran cigar to make number one in my list. To make number one. Second Honduran cigar on this list this year. Manufactured at GR Tabacularis Unitas SA in Honduras. Uh, Where to go, George Rico. I have been a fan of George for a long time. And uh, I have been, I've adored his cigars for a long time. Um, I really like his approach to vintages and to blending and tobacco. I think he utilizes Colombian and Peruvian tobacco in a really great way. We were talking about the use of Peruvian tobacco in the last cigar, in the number two cigar of the year, and how it's understated mm-hmm. and it balances. George doesn't take that approach. You can smoke one of his cigars and you're going to get that vibrancy, that brightness, that citrus, that floral from the Colombian and Peruvian varietals that he tends to use and tends to favor. Um, I love that. There are people that don't like it. It, Again, it's a polarizing, they're polarizing tobaccos. I don't care what other people think. This is my list. (laughs) So I've always enjoyed his cigars. I've always enjoyed that. I've loved citrus and floral notes in, in the cigar. It uh, to me, what I really love about this cigar in particular, as opposed to other Gran Habanos, is the spice level in this. The Nicaraguan tobacco really comes through, even though this wrapper is shade grown, it still has a tremendous amount of flavor. The retrohale on this cigar goes on for days as well. I really like the aroma of the cigar that I get off of it. The smoking performance is excellent, the construction's impeccable. Um, I have smoked so many of these cigars this past year uh, and uh, and then some. It has been fantastic. I have – this is um, the uh, – this is my – I have not cracked it open yet. Uh, I have taken the cellophane off for the purpose of the camera. This is my sixth mm-hmm. box purchase. Six. Count them up. Six box purchase of the cigar. Love this Vitola. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, love the artwork. Love the cigar. Uh, and – it's it's incredible. I I I I think that George hit a home run with the cigar. It truly honors the twenty years that his family has done in the this twenty years plus now that his family have been doing business in cigars and been doing it in Honduras. Um, you know, when there's a lot of other Honduran factories that have are you know frankly have more prominence than his. But in my mind, I think George has been doing great things for a number of years and. Um, I know he's going to keep doing it. He's still a young man, um, and he, he, like I said, I, I applaud his his approach to 
um, to vintages and his approach to blending. And he has a signature. He has that Colombian Peruvian signature that he finds different ways to use in that ex- in his expressions. And they're absolutely sensational. So George, I'm looking forward to hearing your opinion. So uh, let me have it. How did my number one cigar stack up in your opinion? Okay. First of all, I, I had to take my earbuds out. We've been on so long that they uh, ran out of juice. Uh, so my voice sounds different. It's just because I'm going to, I hope you can hear me clearly. Yeah, your audio is crystal clear. You're good, sir. Great. Okay. So number one, I think everything that you just said, uh, it was very eloquent and well-stated. I also am a big fan of George Rico. I, th- th- he's had some blends that, that I thought, well, okay, you know, it's good, you know, but, but they're aimed at a price. These are masterpieces. These are clearly uh, um, apex moments. I have no doubt that he can do better because he's a great student. He learns. He, uh, uh, but but he's an innovator. He is he is getting flavors from the same tobaccos that other people have that he works magic with. This to me, this cigar is like a fruit punch. It's crazy all of the flavors that are going on in here. And every time I take a puff, different things show up. I did not think, I'm being very honest here. I did not think that your number, number, I did not think it was going to be a Grenabano. And so I salute George for that first and foremost. But I really didn't think that your number one choice was going to be a cigar that could top what we smoked for number two. I love that blend so much. But this cigar, it shows the, the, the range, the absolute spectacular uh, array of cigars that we have available to us when we walk in a quality cigar store these days. Because, by God, this is as different as you could get. It's, it's a, 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 a cabinet cigar, not a box press or a trunk press. It's uh, a completely different origin. Uh, the, 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 the texture, the, the performance, everything about it, this is a drastically different personality, but it's fresh and fruity. It's rewarding. The aroma is tremendous. This cigar is a knockout. And I, I hate to say uh, that I'm not going to be able to finish it because it's too late and I got to go to bed, but this is sent sensational it is absolutely phenomenal uh it is so let's let's go go back a little bit the 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 balance of flavors that are here are so expertly crafted that you're not you're not sitting there saying to yourself well this is a good nicaraguan cigar or this has more flavor than your typical dominican or anything like that and it certainly doesn't present as a classic honduran cigar it doesn't have any right. of the hallmarks that that you typically think of a of a honduran cigar offering so in that sense it's a remarkable accomplishment even if you say well you know the flavors aren't for me who cares it's this terrific combination this is great cigar making encapsulated it's the construction is is lovely the burn is wonderful that this ash is so white but the aromas and the flavors that it's giving are so alive they're so complex they're so unique that it's impossible to resist something like this 
This is a this is a, a great cigar and ex absolutely deserving of your choice as number one. Well, thank you, George. Uh, I was really nervous uh, after your praise of the number two cigar uh, of how it would stack up. I didn't, um, I didn't think. I honestly didn't, didn't think there was going to be a cigar that would top it. Uh, but the beauty of this is. I mean, honestly, you could say this is 1A and 1B. Uh, uh, they're so different personalities, but they're spectacular. But this cigar is, I mean, what it's giving my palate, all these things that are happening is is terrific. Yeah, I, I, I was blown away by the cigar uh, when I first smoked it. And, uh, and like I said, I've been a fan of George's work for a long time. I think... I always have a Corojo number five box stashed somewhere in my collection at all times. Mm -hmm. I love that scar. Um, yeah. And um, I've really loved some, you know, uh, some of his other iterations and uh, that he's created. The Zulu Zuberlu project is really fun. Uh, the American Puro, um, in my mind, is probably one of the better uses of Kentucky Fire Cured Tobacco. And, and for him to be able to have such a wide range while still sticking to his roots and still sticking to his yeah. signature. Uh, his personality shines through. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, I, I absolutely thought this cigar was a home run, um, and I've smoked so many of them. Uh, it's just a truly fantastic cigar. Uh, since you're not able to finish that one, George, along with the, uh, the Sangre Nueva and the Flint Knoll, I'll be getting this out to you. And I look forward to meeting oh, with you here in a few weeks right. at PCA. Yeah, and uh, having that absolutely. Down. And we'll talk about the we'll we'll talk about the the interval. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the the cigars uh, because I'm excited to try. Uh, I, in particular, listen. I, it's not to take anything away from the Flint Knoll because I can't wait to uh, to taste what they've done with Jamaican tobacco. But I want to smoke the double figurado. I want yeah. to smoke the, uh, the the double perfecto because that the robusto version was just a dance in the park. I loved it. Fantastic. So if let's it's better. I'll be knocked out. Fantastic. Well, let's sum this up, everybody. So here is the without further ado. Here are the top ten cigars uh, for Ellos Fumar takes for twenty twenty three. Kicking it off with our number one cigar of the year, the Gran Habano. Uh, 20th Anniversario Edición Limitada El Sueño, which is the Robusto 5x52. The Luciano Cigars Maria Lucia Magnum 5x54 box press from Luciano Cigars comes in at number two. The number three cigar of the year was the Black Label Trading Company Deliverance Porcelain Robusto. Number four, the Alec Bradley Double Broadleaf Grand Corona. Number five, the Casa Cueva Sangre Nueva Double Perfecto. Number six, Espinoza, Knuckle Sandwich, Connecticut Short Churchill. Number seven, Quesada Cigars, Casa Magna, Liga F Toro. Number eight, the HVC Selección, number one, Natural Poderosos. The number nine, United Toro Maduro. Number 10, Christoph Cigars, Guardrail Robusto. Encapsulating my top 10 cigars of 2023. We have had none other than the legendary George Brightman to produce his opinions and thoughts on my top 10 cigars for the second year in a row. George, this was so much fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I know my audience loves it as well. Uh, but uh, for my 
from my uh from my perspective uh this was even better than last year i really really enjoyed it i'm gonna take your advice though next year you're gonna get the cigars with letters and that way that yeah. there's really really no way to uh no. to uh well, it's what you completely unbiased as you do a blind smoke on them yeah and i i i, I can't wait but we'll we'll have uh, we'll have some cigars together in between, Absolutely. and we'll uh, we'll 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 talk them out. But it, this was it was still a delight. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was uh, uh, spectacular. And and by the way, again, what a privilege it is to smoke such from a wide variety. I mean, the range of flavors that are here, the, the countries. Uh, uh, factories, cigar makers, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, it, it, it promises great things. If, if 2024 is as big an improvement over 2023 as 23 was over 22, in my opinion, we're in for a hell of a ride. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So that uh, you mentioned the, the different countries. So we had four Dominican cigars four Nicaraguan and two Honduran cigars, including the number one cigar of the year. Gran Habano takes the yeah. cake this year with the 20th anniversary, uh, anniversario edición limitada, El Sueño being the number one cigar of the year. Congratulations to George Rico and his amazing family and the amazing folks at Gran Habano for putting together the number one yep. cigar of the year for Elos Fumar takes uh, not taking away from the other manufacturers. Uh, we had Christoph United HVC, um um I lost my train of thought there uh uh quesada yeah. <laughs> it is late alec bradley yeah. black label trading company luciano cigars and again once again congratulations to gran habano the number one cigar of the year for 2023 with the gran habano 20th anniversario edición limitada el sueño bringing in the number one cigar of the year for 2023 I want a special thanks to my audience for tuning in and staying up so late with us as we did this unveiling this year. Special thanks to everybody, all of our sponsors for another incredible year here at LSU Fumar Takes, our great partners at Cigar Coop, uh, the Smoking Syndicate, uh, Let's Get Pairing uh, over at the Cigar Coop Coalition, of course, our friends at Developing Palettes and Half Wheel for being a part of this as well, too. Um, and uh, want to thank everybody uh, for being a part of this experience. I love doing this every year. We will have another top 10 cigars in 2024 uh, and can't wait to get started on that process. Yes, we are starting the process now. The tallies are starting to tally right. up and we will have cigars uh, that will make up our top 10 for 2024. We'll see you next year with that. If you are listening to us, Live, you can check us out every Sunday live on Facebook at 9.30 p.m. Central. Yeah, we went super late tonight. You can check us out on YouTube later. Uh, our channel is Ellos Fumar. Do hit the subscribe button. And if you happen to be listening to us on podcasts, wherever you live and listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, including iHeartRadio, do me a favor. Download, subscribe, and review. And if you already are a subscriber, do me a favor and hit unsubscribe. But don't forget to hit resubscribe because that helps my numbers. And let's face it, that's why I get great guests like George Brightman whenever I want is my numbers. Uh, It has nothing to do with me. They don't like me at all. I'm just kidding. All right. (laughs) So without further ado, that that ends our 2023 list. 
It is a special thanks to George Brightman for staying up so late with us, smoking some great cigars, giving us his incredible opinion. A true legend in the business, a true gentleman as well. Mr. George Brightman has been my special guest tonight. So for everyone out there, my name is Bear Duplissian. and this is L. Elsifomar Takes 276 Take live from the Alec Bradley Studios of Azel, Texas. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time. Well done. Thank you.